You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on Star Wars Episode Nine, The Mandalorian, The Clone Wars, and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? What's up, guys? Exciting times. (laughs) We're this close to celebration is this right around the corner plus baseball season just began so that's also fun though i'm surprised <laughs> you're a d-backs fan like me i was gonna say the biggest surprise is that paul's team the seattle mariners has the best record in baseball right now <laughs> oh, what's that hold on i i smell something it smells like victory and gummy bears <laughs> <laughs> well actually it's, it's actually technically star mix right now if you guys follow me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, aka P Thug. Um, <laughs> if you follow me there, you'll see that my my I always post my podcast, not always, but most of the time I post my podcast snack, which right now has been my Haribo Star Mix, which is an assortment of random gummy products in one, and it's delish. So go get some. <laughs> and this is free and this is free publicity too i'm not being paid i wish they could pay me in gummies i'd be down but anyway yes. yeah get them to I sponsor doing... the show um gonna make me hungry for some now <laughs> yeah right hey well by the way tim i did leave you a like a five pound bag when the last time i was at your house do you guys do you guys ever eat oh, that oh yeah those those are gone yeah because <laughs> <laughs> i think tim i think you even said to me like i don't know if we're gonna eat those i'm like hey eh, you guys will figure something out oh yeah <laughs> didn't take nice. too long either nice <laughs> Sorry, no, no more gummies. This is a Star Wars podcast. Uh, yeah, Sorry, back Kyle. to the Star Wars stuff. Um, well, anyway, we've got a ton of stuff to talk about on this episode. Um, we've got some leaked images. We've got some rumors. We've got some announcements. Celebration is right around the corner. Um, so real exciting time. So let's just go ahead and dive into it. Uh, before we do, I just want to give a quick shout out and thanks uh, to my dad, Keith, for doing our new uh, intro for us, doing the voice on there. Um, I know we had that on our, our last episode, which was our Phantom Menace commentary. And we've recorded that way before I got that intro done. So, uh, this is our first regular episode that we've had that on there, but I figured, um, well, first of all, we needed to get Paul's name in the intro. Um, and second of all, priority number one. Yeah. And, but I figured, you know, while I was at it, I was like, and do I want to just add Paul's name in the regular one or, you know, we've been going so long now, maybe it's time to shake things up and try something new. And I had some fun ideas for it. So I hope you guys like it, but uh, that was fun to put together. Um, but let's jump right into the star Wars news. And we're going to start with, uh, some announcements about 
um, Star Wars Celebration and the panel schedule um, that was released a few days ago on StarWars.com. They've got the full panel breakdown now. Um, and we're not going to list all of them. I mean, obviously, if you want to know, you know, everything that's going on, check StarWars.com or StarWarsCelebration.com. Um, but I just wanted to go ahead and run through the big panels um, that, especially those of us who aren't going to be able to go, um, you know, the ones that we're definitely going to want to keep an eye on. Um, so Celebration starts Thursday, but all the panels start on Friday. I think Thursday is just kind of the preview day for the show floor and all that kind of stuff. That is um, correct. So Friday, April 12th at 11 a.m. Uh, Chicago time, which I think is, what, central time? Um, so we're on the West Coast. I think that's like two hours ahead of us. Um, you are correct. Yeah. So, you know, check, make sure you, you got your time zone right if you want to be tuning into the live stream or whatever for uh, wherever you're at. But 11 a.m. central time uh, is when the Star Wars Episode Nine panel will be. Um, and it says, with the culmination of the Star Wars saga arriving before the end of the year, the Star Wars Episode Nine panel is one you will definitely not want to miss. With Lucasfilm President Kathleen Kennedy and Star Wars Episode Nine director J.J. Abrams appearing on stage, you can count on plenty of surprises and special guests to keep your imagination buzzing for the rest of Celebration. Um, so, yeah, obviously this is the one we're all... You know, this is going to be the big, the big event of the weekend. Um, you know, it's going to be just like the the movie panels from the past celebrations where uh, they talk to the cast. They're going to reveal some new details about the movie, probably announce some new characters, um, you know, with like certain actors that we know are in the movie, but their characters haven't been announced yet. You know, they'll probably show the first images of their characters and talk about who they're playing and stuff like that. Um, and then, of course, well, in this case, we'll be getting the title revealed. I mean, we hope like every other movie, we've oh, already man, known the title going into celebration. But, um, you know, we'll probably get the title reveal, uh, a first like teaser poster um, and then uh, obviously the first teaser trailer. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot to look forward to on that one. Mark your calendars for that. Um and of course, you know, that's when we'll we'll get our first look at the trailer and our first look at footage from episode nine and uh, have a lot to break down just off of that. Um, and then later that day at 1.30, this is something that we haven't really talked about much, but especially if you're into like Star Wars gaming, uh, this is something you might want to keep an eye on. And it's the Vader Immortal uh, series that's coming out for the Oculus Rift from ILM X Lab. Um, and I think it's going to be, I'm not sure if it's a game or more of just like an interactive story kind of thing, but it's going to be like a star Wars virtual reality experience. And I think it's actually like an episodic story, um, yeah. where you like, uh, and I think it involves you, you end up like invaders castle and actually coming face to face with Darth Vader and stuff like that. So, um, I'm interested to learn more details about that. Um, and that is also going to be like I said, Friday, um, at one thirty. And I think those are pretty much those are the two big things for Friday, right? I'm just checking the uh, double checking the schedule here. Yeah, especially for the main stage, that's gonna have all with the big panels on there, the yeah. celebration stage. Yeah, that's it for Friday. Yeah, well, and they do have some kind of big panels on some of the other, like the uh, the digital stage and the. Um, the twin sun stage, or sorry, the galaxy stage and the twin sun stage are the two other ones. Um, but I think those are probably the two big things. Also, though, if you're a collector, uh, the Star Wars Hasbro panel is three to four on Friday. 
Um, and they'll probably announce, you know, some new Black Series figures and stuff like that. So that's something also to keep an eye on. That's one that, like, I don't know if it'll be live streamed or not. If it is, I probably won't tune in for that one. But, um, you know, just something to maybe keep an eye out for afterwards and see what they announce. Um, but then moving over to Saturday, uh, the two big panels uh, for that day um, at 11 a again, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. is uh, the panel about bringing Star Wars Galaxy's Edge to life at Disney Parks. Um, so we'll probably get, you know, some more details and some more maybe photos and videos and just behind the scenes kind of looks at Galaxy's Edge and what that's going to be all about. Um, and then 1.30 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. is the premiere of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is the new, uh, the new like, Jedi action game from Respawn, um, and that's the Star Wars game that we're going to be getting uh, later this holiday season. So I'm really excited for that. Um, you know, we got that announced last year at E3 and really don't know anything about it, except that it's like a, an action game and you play as a Jedi that survived Order 66 and it's set in between episodes three and four. And that's all we know. So I'm excited to, uh, you know, get to see a first look at, uh, you know, a trailer for that. It probably, I don't know if it'll be gameplay footage, probably just like a story, uh, more of a story focused trailer. Um, hopefully, I mean, maybe we'll get one of those really cool, like, uh, cinematic trailers like we got for the Old Republic with that kind of animation. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they've been working on with that and, uh, finally getting more, more of an idea of what that game's going to be all about. So because I'm not the video game junkie as much as you guys are, though you have influenced me to become more of a video game junkie, uh, Anyway, I digress. So if you think there's not going to be a gameplay, any gameplay with this one, do you think it's going to be at E3? We'll get the gameplay. In, is, that, is that in June, I believe? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and the reason right. I say that is because that's the same thing they did with Battlefront 2. Um, the Battlefront, the Battlefront two panel that they had at celebration. I mean, they gave some first, you know, the first details about the game and talked about how they were having multiple eras and, and showed some images and concept art and all that kind of stuff. But the trailer was all focused on Iden and Inferno squad and the single player campaign. Um, and then they show, they had the first gameplay demo at E3. So, um, I mean, I don't know for sure that that's what they're going to do. I mean, they, for all we know, they could have like a 20 minute gameplay demo or, you know, whatever. But I think because E3 is coming so soon after Celebration um, and they're obviously going to want to show off a lot of stuff there, too. I would think that this is going to be, um, you know, like I said, a, a first reveal and we'll get to see kind of a good glimpse of the game, but they're not going to show everything yet. So I would imagine that it'll probably be a story focused trailer and then more gameplay focused stuff they'll show at E3. That's just my guess. I wonder too if they might do something what they did for the first Battlefront at Celebration Anaheim, where they had like that 10 minute behind closed door previously that you went to, Kyle, where like the line was <laughs> so super long just to get into that, just to get that little extra preview for what they showed at the panel. Since it's the first new game that we're getting since Battlefront was announced, maybe they'll decide to do the same thing with that, give a little sneak peek of a cinematic trailer maybe the story at the panel then have maybe a behind the closed door like more in-depth preview of actual gameplay so yeah we'll that could do be that too. yeah i don't know um i don't remember with battlefront if they announced that ahead of time yeah neither do i <laughs> um because they haven't announced anything about it for fallen order they've just announced this panel so um but yeah if you're into star wars gaming and you're uh you know as intrigued about this as we are then definitely keep an eye out for that one as uh as well again that's 1.30 to 2.30 on Saturday. Um, 
And then Sunday, we've got... <laughs> yeah, Sunday is probably going to be the biggest day. Um, well, really, because, I mean, aside from episode nine, it's got just two huge panels that we're really excited about. Um, again, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. is the panel for The Mandalorian um, with uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni. And I assume they're probably... Well, I don't know, maybe going to bring out some of the cast and stuff like that, too. Um, I don't know if they'll do it up as big as, you know, like the episode nine panel. But um, in the description here, it just says, learn about the perilous world of the Mandalorian with executive producer and writer John Favreau and executive producer and director Dave Filoni. Um, and that's going to be live on the celebration stage and also simultaneously cast to the Galaxy and Twin Sun stages. So, um but yeah, really excited for that one too, and to be able to finally get our first glimpse of what they've been working on with that show. Yeah, I mean, I assume we're going to get the trailer for that. It's going to be awesome. But really, it's going to be great just hearing Dave Filoni or seeing Dave Filoni and John Favreau on stage together, both of them talking about Star Wars, mm -hmm. <laughs> knowing how much big fans they are and working together on the Clone Wars previously. So I think it's just going to be fun just hearing them talk about the series, even if even if they didn't show anything, which we know they are. It would be worth it just to hear them talk about the show. So that's just gonna be great in itself. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> yeah. Um, oh, also, you know what? Jumping back to Saturday real quick, there's one other thing I forgot to mention, and that is the Star Wars Rebels Remembered panel um, from 12:45 to 1:45. Um, I just thought of that because we were just talking about Dave Filoni, and I was like, oh yeah, there's probably another panel that he's gonna be on too. Um, and this says, uh, Star Wars Rebels may have ended, but the Ghost Crew is far from forgotten. Dave Filoni and special guests take a look back at the show that deepened our knowledge of the Force, broke our hearts, and always gave us hope. Um, and it says at the end here, full disclosure, we are not announcing a new series in this panel. Um, <laughs> I love how they had to put that in there. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, but are they? I don't... I've seen some reactions. I think some might be serious too. Where are they saying that to throw you off just because they are saying something? <laughs> but no, I don't. I don't think they would straight up lie about that. So and especially, especially <laughs> the fact that Clone Wars is coming back and we've got Resistance going on. I, I don't think there's any new animated stuff coming anytime soon. Like no, even if the even if they do have other stuff in the works. I mean, obviously, it seems like they're not ready to announce it yet because I don't think they would just straight up lie to us um, and put that in there. Um, I'm sure Dave Filoni will be giving us plenty of artwork teases, though, because he already did. I forget when, but he showed that or had that image of Ahsoka and Sabine kind of on the search for Ezra, mm -hmm. where he did, which was really cool to see. So there might be more of that on the way on that panel. Yeah, very possible. Um but then, okay, so Sunday we've got The Mandalorian from 11 to 12, and then from 3.30 to 4.30 is Star Wars The Clone Wars sneak peek. Um, and it just says, Dave Filoni and special guests celebrate the return of Star Wars The Clone Wars and share a sneak peek at what's to come. So, um, yeah, again, like, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for Episode 9 and uh, to finally get our first trailer and to see what they've been working on, but... Ugh. Clone Wars is still maybe my most anticipated <laughs> Star Wars thing for this year. Um, as far you know what I will say, as far as trailers, I'm probably more looking forward to the episode nine trailer just because we've seen nothing so far. Um, but it's going to be really exciting just to uh, to get a trailer for a new season of Clone Wars and to hear Dave Filoni and the cast and crew come back and talk about it and just, um, yeah, getting hyped for uh, Clone Wars coming back for one last hurrah. So, yeah. Um, Again, if you're as excited as we are about Clone Wars, 
Um, and you should be because it is a fantastic show. Um, and the last season is going to be just bonkers. Um, that's going to be three thirty to four thirty um, on Saturday, Sunday, Sundays. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and even though we probably will get a new trailer, which is cool, the things I'm most anxious to find out about the Clone Wars panel is two things: one, if it's you know a confirmed release date, if it is in fact coming out in 2019, or is it going to be a little later, which you know I've been speculating on in the past. And also, if we can get confirmation just what those other episodes are going to be besides uh, the Siege of Mandalore, if we can get confirmation if it is just uh, the Bad Batch and the Utapau arc, or, or yeah. maybe they'll oh, confirm don't that. Remind me. Oh, I, I'm, I'm so nervous about that because I want the Boba Fett yeah, I know. arc so bad. <laughs> that would be awesome. I mean, again, well, here's the thing I rewatched the Utapau arc, just, you know, the, the unfinished cinematics recently, and I forgot how good those are. And it made They're me not think. Bad. Yeah, it it made me think. You know what? If this is the other arc that we get, I'm totally okay with that. We know that. I mean, obviously, we're getting Siege of Mandalore, but we are also getting the Bad Batch because in the trailer that they showed. I mean, unless they did this just to throw us off, which I think would disappoint a lot of people, because I mean, Dave Filoni keeps saying at panels like how popular the Bad Batch are, um, and even just since they released the animatics, like people love them. Um, but in the shot from uh, the trailer that they released at Comic-Con last year, there's a shot that's like straight out of the beginning of, uh, I think it's the second episode of the Bad Batch arc. So, And you see Anakin and Rex and uh, Hunter, who's the leader of the Bad Batch in that shot. So I'm, a, I, I'm like 99% sure that uh, four of those episodes are going to be the Bad Batch arc. Um, and then another four, obviously, is going to be Siege of Mandalore. And so it's just a question of those last four episodes. Is it going to be the Utapau arc? Um, is it going to be, you know, that Boba and Cad Bane? Is it going to be something else? Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's going to be just one of the, the exciting reveals of this panel is, I mean, I'm sure by the end of it we're going to find that out, whether they directly announce it or whether we find out just by watching, you know, whatever trailer they put out. Um, I think we'll know just exactly what we can expect from those episodes. Yeah, and I have a strong feeling that for those fortunate enough to be in attendance for both the Mandalorian and the Clone Wars panel, you're probably going to see some episodes. <laughs> I would be surprised if Dave Filoni doesn't do that. I mean, he always delivers the good when it comes to those surprises on episodes that are finished and ready to go that he'll share them. The Mandalorian maybe is a question. I would think maybe the first episode's finished and ready to go, but that might not be the case. But I'm sure for Clone Wars, they got at least one or two episodes from an arc ready to go, and I'm sure he'll show up. So that's got to be awesome for anyone who's able to get in attendance for those panels. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I don't know, because I'm thinking, normally they an they announce that, though, right? No, not for, uh, I think it was Rebels Season 3, where he, when they announced Thrawn was going to be in it. Oh, that that's like a right. surprise thing at the end. Okay, and yeah, 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 you're right. Season 4 might have been that way, too, for that premiere. Because I know, obviously, with season the season two premiere, they did it up with the whole red carpet thing and everything. Yeah. Um, and same with at Celebration uh, 6 in Orlando when we saw the Clone Wars season 5 premiere. Um, and, you know, that was like its own separate screening. So, um, but yeah, you never know. I mean, like you said, Dave Filoni's <laughs> always got a surprise up his sleeve. So um, I mean, whether they show a whole episode or not, it's definitely one you're not going to want to miss. Um, and 
talk about a great Sunday for TV. We're getting probably our first trailer for Mandalore or the Mandalorian, the Clone Wars trailer is more information. And then to cap it all off, Game of Thrones season eight premiere mm-hmm. <laughs> starts that night. <laughs> it's going to be the best Sunday ever. Yeah, that is going to be incredible. Um, I imagine a lot of group parties getting together at Celebration <laughs> to watch the Game of Thrones Season 8 premiere. Yeah, probably. As part of the scheduling. Yeah. I imagine that's something you're going to try to do as well, Paul. <laughs> yeah. It's th- that This whole, I mean, this next couple of weeks are just going to be insane for me. And this is just more of that. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Hmm. Um, all right. And then the last couple panels on Monday from 11 to 12 uh, is the Star Wars Phantom Menace 20th Anniversary Celebration. Um, and it says every saga has a beginning join host Warwick Davis as we honor 20 years of Star Wars, the Phantom Menace. We're turning back the pages with rare behind the scenes content and special guests brought together to share their memories and insights into the film's creation. Now this is celebrating. Um, wow. <laughs> hey, I'm just reading. <laughs> You're the waiting release. all week to say that. You're waiting all week to say that. No, no, I, I, I just, I read it as it came up. Um, <laughs> Sure. But uh, I think also, um, I think through the Star Wars Twitter account or something, you know, they've been posting more small updates and things like that. And I think they did confirm that. Um, I'm trying to remember who they said, like Ian McDermott is going to be on that panel. Um, also, Ray Park. Oh, I think it's it's uh, Ian McDermott, Ray Park, Anthony Daniels and uh, Ahmed Best. Um, and then some some behind the scenes, like crew people like Doug Chang. Um, and some other people that worked on the movie as well are going to be on that panel and, uh, you know, just talking about The Phantom Menace and um, sort of the legacy of the film and what went into making it and all that kind of stuff. So that's also going to be a cool one to check out. And I hope Ahmed Best gets the longest, biggest standing ovation when he walks out on that stage for that panel. Oh, <laughs> right I think so. I mean, everything he's been through, I mean, if, the fans got to show him love. If the reaction to Hayden Christensen's appearance at the last celebration was any indication, I think Ahmed Best is in for a warm welcome. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be great to see. Um, and then this, uh, the uh, the closing ceremony is three thirty to four thirty um, on Monday, and you know they usually don't have any like huge announcements there, but it's always something you want to keep an eye on just in case. Um, I mean, at the very least, they usually announce when and maybe where the next celebration is going to be. Um, I know at the last one, they said when it was going to be, but they didn't announce where yet. Um, yeah. and we I have the exact quote was wherever it may be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was something. It was like a frustrating cliffhanger. But I know at other celebrations in the past, like during the closing ceremonies, they've announced when and where the next one's going to be. Also, I think it was celebration six back in 2012 when uh, at the closing ceremonies was when George Lucas announced that they were doing the 3d re-releases of all the movies. And then of course that ended up only happening with the Phantom Menace and then the whole rest of the thing got scrapped. But um, all I'm saying is don't rule out any surprises happening at the closing ceremony. And it's always like a nice way to just kind of recap the whole event too, and look back at, um, you know, to some of the memories and some of the cool stuff that happened. So um that's probably going to be worth a watch as well. And then just one other thing that I wanted to point out. Um, oh, no, you know what? I'm sorry. There, there is one other one on Monday. And I skipped over this because it's not on the main celebration stage. But from 1.30 to I think it might be 2.30. On here it says 2.50. But I saw somewhere else that it said 2.30. Either way, two, uh, 1.30 on Monday is going to be the Star Wars Resistance Season 2 sneak peek. Um 
And it says, uh, join Star Wars Resistance executive producers Justin Ridge, Athena Portillo, Brandon Allman, and special guests for a look back at the shocking season one finale and an exclusive preview of what's to come. Um, and we'll be talking about the Star Wars Resistance finale a little bit later on this show. So, um, yeah, for those of you that are, are fans of Resistance and want to see what's in store for season two, um, that is also one that you'll uh, definitely want to keep an eye on. Um and then lastly, let me scroll down and find exactly where this was. Oh, so 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock on Monday is they've got one that just says check the Celebration Show app for updates, which has me wondering, like, you know, so this is still a to-be-announced panel. And maybe this is just wild speculation on my part, but remember back at Celebration 2015, the one that we were all at, and they had the panel with... Uh, it was supposed to be Josh Trank and Gareth Edwards, um, uh-huh. and then, of course, Josh Trank dropped out, but that was where they announced Rogue One. I'm wondering if this could be something similar where we maybe get an announcement about, like, either uh, the Benioff and Weiss, like, the movies that they're working on, or the Ryan Johnson trilogy, or maybe some details about the Cassian series, or the announcement of an Obi-Wan series, or some other live-action series. Um I don't know, just, you know, because we know all the big stuff that's happening at Celebration, right? Like, we've got Episode Nine, The Mandalorian, Clone Wars, Resistance, Fallen Order, like, all this stuff that we already know about that we're just, you know, excited to get, like, trailers for and stuff like that. But I'm also wondering, like, are we going to get any announcements of new stuff? And so far, we haven't seen any panels where I'm like, well, oh, they could announce something there, or, like, that definitely sounds like, you know, there's no, like panel that's all about Star Wars TV series in general or future movies or anything like that. So um, just this one unannounced panel at two o'clock on Monday is one that I'm just kind of curious about. Now watch, it could end up being like a Lego collecting panel or something that they just, you know, hadn't finalized yet. And then I'm going to look goofy, but um, you know, I'm, I'm not betting on anything. I'm not predicting like, oh, this is when it's going to happen. This is where they're going to announce the Knights of the Old Republic movie, you know, whatever. Like, I'm just saying, um, keep an eye on it, at least for now, until they, until they announce it. Cause I'm sure probably at some point before celebration, um, that info will get finalized and filled in. I would hope. Yeah. Um, I actually totally missed that on the starwars.com post for the whole schedule where it said to check back on the app because I was thinking the same thing where celebration has all this cool stuff, but I was maybe expecting another panel just for, you know, the future of star Wars as far as movies and TV shows go kind of like what we had at celebration Anaheim. They did it for Florida too. I forget what exactly what it was called. That's where they had Lord and Miller about talking about solo. Ryan Johnson was there. I think that's what they have. That that was um, not for Florida. It was for uh, London. Okay, yeah, I probably got those two mixed up. Yeah, because they didn't have anything like that for Florida. Florida was pretty much, if I remember correctly, there was nothing really going on. Sunday was kind of dead. I remember at that panel, Ryan Johnson really didn't show too much or talk too much about Lost Jedi because he was probably still filming it (laughs) in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was was there for a, a, a second, but yeah, there was nothing. You know, in fact, I would say that Celebration, uh, Florida... Or Orlando, they had, it was. I mean, it was great. I had a great time, and there were some great panels. But I felt like Sunday was really kind of like lackluster a little bit, and it felt kind of just, you know, it, it kind of feels like what Monday is going to be there now. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. but but at the same time, there's a lot to go over. This is why I don't think we're going to get 
a, a some kind of future of Star Wars films because there's so much information that's going to be dropping from that weekend. It's going to be insane. So you have episode nine, you've got the galaxy's edge, you've got the Mandalorian, you've got the clone wars, you've got, then you have the 20 anniversary panel. There's, there's just a lot going on. And I think that this is going to be there. This is going to be an interesting celebration because I keep, I keep going back to star Wars is in, in, in a very interesting transition because if episode nine truly is the end of the Skywalker saga, which we all probably think it is, or I hope it, I hope it's not, but it's just in case it is, there's, there's, you know, Star Wars is a little uncertain. I've always talked about how the streaming service is going to change things. Every, you know, this, I think obviously the, the theme park is going to change things. I think how this celebration, how everything breaks down, that's going to change things going forward with as far as celebrations in the future and what they reveal there and what is too much and what is too little. Because I think they've kind of had a little bit of everything. They've, you know, the first celebration uh, that I went to back in 2015, I thought it was perfect. But it was also kind of the first of the era as far as we, we can actually start announcing things. We can start announcing films. We can start showing the trailers for the new, you know, new films. You know, we have new animated series. You know, it, I felt, you know, new video games. There's a lot to talk about, but I felt like it, it was proportionate pretty well. And it, compared to other celebrations, which again, I've, I've not, I wasn't following them as much before the Germany one. I would follow a little bit, but there wasn't as much news or information dropping as they do now. Because as we all know, Star Wars is really expanding, you know, now that George has sold it to Disney. So now, and then you have the London celebration where there was like almost not enough information that came out. Whereas the biggest thing that was released was essentially the sizzle reel for rogue one and Thrawn's announcement on rebels. That was pretty much it. And then you fast forward to Florida. The biggest thing was obviously the episode nine panel, but you have the 40th anniversary. I guess what I'm trying to say is they're trying to figure out, I think what's the best way to utilize celebration. And I don't think Lucasfilm and Disney have figured that out yet. And I think this is, this is the one where they're going to unleash a lot of information and they're going to see how well that helps out. Like what does it benefit them to release a lot of information at celebration or does it actually is a benefit them to wait and kind of gradually release information out and then maybe kind of just show first looks at things at celebration. Again, this is all my opinion, but that's how I kind of feel. Cause I think there's going to be so much stuff coming out of this with galaxy's edge, the video games, the Mandalorian, the movies. I mean, there's so much coming out. They've got to figure out a way to like how to really maximize everything. And I think they have no choice with the Mandalorian that they got to pr start promoting that right now because this is the infancy of the streaming service so that they cannot hold back. And I think there's, it's it's makes it makes sense that the episode uh, nine panel is a Friday and Mandalorian's on a Sunday. It's a full day between everything, so they can really like get it out there and have it stand on its own. Oh, and think of it like this way. I'm wondering if they thought of it like if episode nine ends that previous week, so the week of the eighth. Oh, that's what I'm leaving. That's why I say the eighth. So next Monday, so that that week that we're gonna have it ends that weekend cycle, right? And everyone's gonna be buzzing about it on Friday, on Saturday, blah blah blah. And then you have the Mandalorian on Sunday. That's gonna be the rest of the talk of the week of oh, the Mandalorian, you know, that kind of thing, and Disney streaming service, blah blah blah. So you kind of have your cake and eat it too, as as I feel they're gonna try to do and throw everything at once. So, you know, we have. 
because I, I do think we're going to get announcements. And I'm not sure if we talked about this t- or not, Tim. And maybe we did. I don't remember. We we talked the other day on on uh, battle over Battlefront. So I, I apologies if I if I'm getting you mixed up with Sean. But I think um, we might have talked about uh, the Benioff and Weiss thing. And yeah, we other, did. Okay, and and we talked and you and you think you mentioned Disney D twenty three, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I kind of think you know I don't want and I let you kind of re- retaliate here because you're I, I'm stealing your thunder a little bit, but but really quick to wrap up. I think you're onto something. I think that you're right that I think that they're not going to show that they're going to use D 23 as potentially a way to announce things. So by that point, game of Thrones will be done. So that's, I don't know if you have anything to follow up with that. I don't mean to steal your thunder. No, just that of when you think about it and correct me if I'm wrong, forgetting anything, but new announcements for like new upcoming projects never really get announced at celebration. Like none's yeah. coming to yeah. mind. It's all just showing us for the first time what we already knew was coming. Mm-hmm. So well again, the one thing that was announced was Rogue One. But we knew the title of it already because I remember yeah. Bob Iger said that in a one of those oh, did we? investor calls. Yeah. We just didn't huh. know what it was about yet. Oh okay. What wait no 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 we didn't know. We didn't get didn't we get out to get the announcement until um no no I'm sorry you're right because we got the title we got the official "quote unquote" title of a Star Wars story and the group picture at D twenty three. That Correct. following, yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah. My bad, you're right. Yeah, so like D twenty three, as you were mentioning, might does is more of the place where Disney makes announcements of upcoming stuff, because it was there that well, they sent the Rogue One photo, like you said, but even not just involving Star Wars, I think other announcements are made there. And in regards to Star Wars, that's where they announced uh, Galaxy's Edge, I believe, at D23 a couple of years ago. So, Right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If I were to guess, I would think that might be the case for this year, just to have some more new, exciting Star Wars content to have at D23, even though, you know, Episode 9 will probably get the another new behind-the-scenes sizzle reel there, which, you know, we'll all eat up once that comes out. But to have something new that really gets people talking might be where they announce just what exactly Benioff and Weiss are working on. So yeah, it would be cool if it happened at celebration. And if that little space there (laughs) for that opening panel or that opening they have for a panel there was that, but I'm starting to think now that that's probably not going to be the case, but even though, you know, it might be a little disappointing if we were expecting that to be part of the big celebration fund, but there's just still so much stuff that <laughs> we have enough to hold us over and to geek out about and to devour once it all comes. So it won't be the worst thing in the world if we have to wait a little bit more for what's coming next as far as the movie realm goes for Star Wars after Episode Nine. Yeah, definitely. Like if they don't announce anything new at Celebration, I'm totally OK with that because, I mean, again, we've already got at least five big Star Wars projects that we're getting new trailers for new details and all that. I mean, we're assuming trailers, but, you know, um, lots of stuff that's already been announced that we're going to get sneak peeks at and uh, get a lot of new information on. And that by itself is just going to be really exciting. And we're going to have plenty to dissect and chew on and talk about without having any new stuff announced yet. Um, And then just real quick, wanted to mention one other cool thing about Celebration. Um, There's going to be like a massive mural of like depicting um characters and scenes from all the star wars movies that i guess they're working on um that's going to be unveiled at celebration and it's uh doug chang from lucasfilm um is working together with artist jason palmer on this um and what they're calling an ultimate tribute to a galaxy far far away um and they show a little snippet of it here on starwars.com and it's just the original trilogy section 
Um, and then obviously it's going to include the prequels and the sequels as well. Um, but it looks really good just from what they're showing. And I've seen a lot of Jason Palmer's artwork before. I mean, I, I think he has like an exclusive print for Celebration every year. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure the, flo- the folks at Lucasfilm know him pretty well. Um, but yeah, I mean, just looking at this art, the mural that they have on here right now and thinking just how that how good that looks. And I can't imagine how amazing it's going to look with all the characters from across the entire saga and then blown up to, you know, whatever huge size they're going to um have it you know on a giant wall or something that's gonna be really cool yeah i'm really excited about this for two reasons one like you said this is gonna look amazing to see this big giant mural encompassing the entire saga including clone wars and rebels that's gonna be awesome and i can't wait to see it but also too i'm really excited and happy that jason palmer is the artist and doing it i've actually known him for quite a long time during like when i was a teenager during the hype of the special editions and the prequels i mean he was someone who you know, would visit like me and my family and my brothers. We like geek out all the time talking about Star Wars, speculating pretty much like before there was podcasts and stuff, we would be doing like private podcasts and just talking about how excited we were for, you know, the special editions and the prequels coming out and just all this cool stuff. So I'm really excited, happy for him that he's getting the opportunity to do this big, massive art project for Lucasfilm. That's going to be amazing because he's a great artist. I'm probably a little biased since I know him for a little bit, but I think his stuff is great, and he has a great portfolio of awesome, you know, Star Wars pieces. So I'm really happy for him that he's going to do this really massive project. It should look amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just briefly uh, to talk about our celebration coverage. Um, so if you guys didn't know, so Paul is going to be at celebration. Tim and I are not going to be going this year. Um, so I'm thinking what we're going to do as far as breaking it down into, you know, podcasts and what we're talking about um, is I think Tim and I are going to try to record an episode for you guys during celebration, probably on Monday um, or maybe even Tuesday, like just once it's all said and done. Um, but we'll get an episode out just as soon as we can after celebration's over, just kind of giving a quick recap, like our, our thoughts and our initial impressions on things. Um, and then when Paul gets back, we'll do another episode where we, you know, do a deep dive, especially on episode nine and the Mandalorian. Cause I know Paul, you said that was like the stuff that you were most excited to talk about. Um, yeah. so what we may do is, and again, it, it depends on how much stuff there is and how much we have to talk about and maybe just how long Tim and I go on that first episode. Because, I mean, you know, like the day after Celebration, we're going to have to talk about the Episode 9 trailer a little bit and just kind of give our first thoughts on it. Um, but then we'll wait till Paul gets back to, you know, do the full like scene by scene breakdown. And, you know, that'll probably be like a four hour episode or something. You guys know how we go. Um, so so we'll have we'll definitely have one episode that's probably just like Episode 9 and The Mandalorian deep dive then we might have one episode that's just brief celebration overview and recap of everything and you know depending on how much stuff we get that could still be like two or three hours and then we may have a separate episode that we do another deep dive of like clone wars jedi fallen order and resistance season two um but we also you know tim and i might do that in our initial episode we might just kind of do a quick recap of like episode nine and the mandalorian and then go right into clone wars and jedi fallen order and geek out about that stuff and you know go you know do the the whole trailer breakdown and everything so um we'll have at least two episodes of celebration coverage maybe three um 
but you know, we'll see how it goes. Either way, I can't wait to uh, you know just talk to you guys about it and uh, get to geek out about all this stuff and analyze and dissect and speculate. Um, you know, once we have all these trailers and all these new details, that's going to be a blast. Oh yeah, I mean that's what makes celebration great for even those of us who aren't going. It's still so exciting just to see all the stuff and then get to talk about it afterwards. So I'm chomping at the bit for celebration to begin, even though unfortunately you and me, Kyle, aren't going. But yeah, it's going to be amazing just to get all this awesome Star Wars stuff. Yeah, and this is going to be our last episode that we record most likely before celebration, unless some big news drops between now and then. Like, but why would it? Because yeah. you know, again, we're yeah. probably not expecting them to like announce anything new at celebration. But if they were, like at this point why would you not just announce it at celebration so we're probably not gonna re record another regular episode um between now and then but uh i will get our uh, our attack of the clones audio commentary out um probably in the next week or two uh we'll, we'll get that out before celebration and uh you know those of you that are going to celebration you can listen to it on the plane ride or while you're waiting in line or something like that um, and, uh, you know, if you're not able to go, you'll just have that to enjoy anyways. So that'll be the next thing we get out. And then right after that, um, the, uh, the celebration coverage will be coming hard and fast. So, um, looking forward to it. That's going to be fun. Yep. Can't wait. All right. It's going to be insane. That's all I got to say for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, is, is it a, like a mixture of full blown excitement, Paul, and a little bit of stress right now at this point? <laughs> uh, I would say, yeah. I mean, I, Here's the thing. I, I'm really excited because to see people and, and experience Star Wars, and I'm, I'm also visiting people before uh, we go down to celebration, but at the same time, it's going to be, I'm gone for a week and a half. So I'm going to come back really, really tired. So I'm not looking forward to that. That's going to be real. <laughs> but I know going to the, I, I know going there is just going to get me really pumped up for Star Wars. So and that's what I'm excited for. So, yeah, it is a little stressful because going going back will be brutal. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, well, hopefully you're not uh, too wiped out by the end of it that you can't come Oof. back on and enjoy all this cool stuff that we're going to get. Um, but I'm sure, regardless, being there is going to be an awesome time. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, that's all the celebration stuff. Now let's get back into some speculation, some leaked images, all that fun stuff regarding episode nine. Um, so in case you missed it, uh, there was a big image leak that uh, just came out a few days ago. Um, we got some character images as well as a what looks like a promotional poster for the movie. Probably not like the final, um, you know, uh, theatrical poster or whatever you want to call it, but um, one that's probably going to be, you know, used with a lot of like promo art and stuff like that. I remember there was a bunch of, there a bunch of these kind of posters that leaked, uh, for the force awakens right before celebration Anaheim too. Yeah. It was like the morning of, or like the way early morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, there's even been some debate as to whether or not this is actually legit. Um, I think even Mark Hamill himself tweeted on this and said, you know, he thinks it may be fake. Um, and there's yeah. there's one there's <laughs> Sorry, one <Mark. laughs> there's one thing on here that I am hugely skeptical about, and we'll get to that. But everything else looks legit, so I think you know, at the very least, there's like a lot of this stuff is going to be probably as we see it in the movie. Um, so, spoiler warning: if you 
don't want to know anything about the movie, um, or if you haven't seen this yet and don't want to know what's on it, um, but it doesn't give away any like spoilers for the movie. Like nobody's dead. There's no you know plot twist <laughs> that they're going to give away on the poster. Um, yeah, so the the marketing poster is like a dead body of Kylo Ren on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or it's Kylo like in Jedi robes, looking all peaceful, like he's redeemed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just to to kind of give a brief overview of this real quick. So front and center, we've got Ray. Uh, up top and Kylo down on the bottom. Um, Kylo is wearing his helmet again. Um, we talked about that with the last batch of leaked images, but you know the helmet is cracked and fractured, but back together, and he's wearing that again. Um, Ray is wearing an outfit that kind of it still kind of looks like her her scavenger outfit from Jakku, but like cleaned up a little bit more. Like it's white. It's got a collar on it. Um, her armbands don't go like all the way up her arm anymore. It's like just her forearms. So it's kind of like, I don't know. It, it looks like a cross between like a Jedi outfit and like the same outfit she wore in the force awakens. Um, and she's got a lightsaber. It's kind of hard to tell from like her hands are covering it. So it's hard. I don't know. It's hard to tell if it's just Anakin's lightsaber and she fixed it or if she like kind of built herself a new one out of those same parts. Um, but yeah, she's got a blue yeah. lightsaber. Kylo's the top still... of it, I'm sorry, the top of it looks like definitely Anakin's lightsaber. There's a part in the middle that has like that brown band over it. Yeah, that kind of makes it look different. So it... we we had to expect to be some modifications to it, also. But... Yeah, and again, it's it, like, is that is it a new design or is it, um, you know, is that a piece that she put on there just to kind of seal the two halves together? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and hopefully, you know. There's we're speculating about Ray possibly having a double bladed lightsaber and this poster is kind of showing that's not the case, unless it's being kept back for a surprise maybe later on. I hope that's the case, but <laughs> looks like the modifications for Anakin's lightsaber being busted might be minimal. Yeah. Um but then of course we've got Poe on here, um, in that same kind of what I call this Indiana Jones looking outfit. Um, you know, Finn uh, Chewy. Um, we've got a couple new characters on here, and if we go to um, this other image that's kind of got the um, I don't know, just a bunch of character images revealed with the character names, um, a couple of these new characters are named Zori and Janna, and Janna looks like um, maybe not a scavenger, but like definitely looks like she comes from maybe a more primitive world. Um, her gear looks kind of rugged and she's uh wielding what looks like a bow um and not like a crossbow like chewy that you know shoots lasers like a straight up like bow and arrow bow um <sighs> i think someone has some problems with that <laughs> you know Can, may, may i interject please yeah yeah, yeah. go ahead interject oh, okay okay so i have an issue with this bow and arrow thing and this coming from the guy that loves the Ewok movie so much? Excuse me. <laughs> let me explain myself. So, now granted, I have a huge problem with a bow and arrow on, in Star Wars if this person is part of the Resistance. Now, if this is a character they meet up with that's on a primitive planet and is... Or has limited resources and she has that as a, as a like, like for instance, like Ray only had the staff, right? Mm -hmm. So if Janet is like Ray on some, again, 
and that's a whole other this is a whole other issue I have with it altogether, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, if if she is like Ray and doesn't have a blaster and those are rare to come by, and the only weapon she can have is a bow and arrow she made, and that's what her deal is, whatever. I can I I I can be I guess I can be okay with that. But if this person's like an actual soldier for the resistance and that's her weapon of choice, I'm literally gonna throw my popcorn at the screen <laughs> because that is gonna be ridiculous. Because here's the deal: like Hawkeye for it's a, my issues aside with the character in the movies. <laughs> okay, my issues aside, it makes sense for a person who would be comfortable with a bow and arrow in, in certain situations because of their, they're just like a master bowsman or where I'm not sure what, what you would call them. Right. Archer. Cause in Archer. our world, Archer. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know why I said master bowsman. That sounds really weird anyway. Um, but an archer. So that's his thing. And, and like, there's that great moment in, in, uh, Thor, the first Thor movie where he goes and grabs a gun and then he, he, he goes and grabs a bow and arrow instead. And that's because he's that's what he's more most comfortable with. Okay, that aside, that that's Marvel. What's about Star Wars? Now, Star Wars doesn't make sense because unless you're on a primitive planet, you shouldn't have bow and arrow as a weapon. It doesn't make any freaking sense. Even the Night Sisters had laser beam like bows and arrows. Okay, doesn't but, make sense. But look at her costume though. Like I think it definitely looks like she could be coming from like a more rugged kind of primitive planet. Like she, I don't think she looks like a straight up like resistance soldier. And I think like the leaked, right. the leaked images that we got of Finn and Poe on That's you know, that planet thinking. with yeah. like the long grass and there were some people in the background that definitely looked more like primitive or like outcasts kind of. I'm on horses too. I, yeah. yeah. I'm assuming she's going to be from that planet and that maybe she'll join up with the resistance, but like, I don't think we're going to be introduced to her as like a resistance commander that just likes shooting stormtroopers with a bow and arrow. I think like you were just saying, I think she's going to come from a planet where like, that's the only weapon she has access to. If, and now if that's the case, I'm cool with it and I, and I, I will accept it. But if that's like, She's undercover for the resistance, and she's like, I've got your backs. i got my bow and arrow ready to go. And I'm, I'm just going to, like, throw my popcorn at the screen and yell at JJ as yeah. soon as I see him. Yeah, I, I so, don't anyway. think they would do that. Yeah. Never I, say never. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to be the case where maybe she'll join up with the resistance later coming from, you know, that planet and from a more, like, like I said, a primitive world with people don't have much technology, and she ends up fighting with the resistance, but yet she is more comfortable with the bow and arrow. She continues to use it. When she is with the resistance, um, I think that'll all be good. But I will say this: I don't know if I can handle another final movie of a trilogy where stormtroopers get taken out by a bunch of people with bows and arrows again. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, I don't know if I can take that. So hopefully, she's the only one <laughs> who's making use of the bow and arrow after taking out stormtroopers. And who knows? The bow and arrow does look, you know, not as you know cheaply made as the Ewoks one, or maybe there is some more technology to it where the arrow it does have a laser beam feature to it or whatnot to yeah, take maybe out the armor shoots troopers. Missiles. <laughs> oh wow. God kill me. Like Hawkeye Seriously. with the exploding arrows and stuff. I All right. I, I can I just also get in that I really like Poe Dameron's outfit one thousand times more than the X-Men resistance jacket that he wore in the last one. <laughs> 
don't think I've heard that comparison before. The X Men jacket, but it's yeah, pretty accurate. I mean, I like the I like the Resistance officer uniforms, and like I I thought his outfit in the last movie was fine, but I do like this one too. I think it's gonna be a neat change of pace. It reminds me of like Nathan Drake from Uncharted. Um, yeah, or like I said, kind of has like an Indiana Jones vibe. So I think that'll be cool. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, and then the other new character that we've got on here is Zori, um, who like, just put your chips down right now. She's a bounty hunter. Like, why would she not be? Um, at least that's my bet. And she's got just kind of like a tight, dark red, like jumpsuit with, um, some belts and some armbands and she's wielding a blaster and she's got this cool metal helmet that's got like a, uh, you can't actually see it on the poster, but in this, um, the set of like standalone character images that they released, her head is turned more to the side and you can see there's some kind of like attachment on the back. Um, and so this is making me think she's maybe like gunslinger Lobot 2.0. Um, you know, <laughs> like she might be some kind of like cyborg or Android, uh, type character, at least, you know, like a, whether she's like mostly droid or whether she's like a human with like cybernetic enhancements, I don't know. Um, but I think she's going to be, a. a cool new type of um you know maybe like bounty hunter or assassin or something like that yeah now does her look remind you of a certain video game character kyle um right off the bat uh, i'm guessing that's a no not really (laughs) well i'm i'm wondering what you're getting are you thinking of something from mass effect yeah i'm thinking of tally from mass effect and the core a little bit she doesn't have like the hood that tally always had but the, the shape of the helmet and like the purple on her suit kind of reminded me of that Quarren vibe that she had, but just something I thought obviously if you picked up on yeah, it. Yeah, no, that, that didn't jump out of me right off the bat, but I can kind of see that. But regardless, I think it's a really cool design. I'm really excited to see more of this character. And I think it's a pretty safe bet to say that this is who Carrie Russell was playing. Oh yeah. Cause we haven't heard too much as far as like leaks of like her character in any of the images. And also to the night before, this poster leaked out. She was on uh, the late show uh, with Stephen Colbert. And they were talking a little bit about her role in episode nine. She just said she has like one of the coolest costumes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think this definitely qualifies as a cool costume. <laughs> that yeah. She gets I to would wear say this so. Movie. So yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing more of her, just what her character is about. Cause like, yeah, you're right. I could definitely see her as a bounty hunter, but maybe some, a little more, something I was thinking of that would be kind of cool where she's, was a member of the Knights of Ren and for whatever met reason kind of left them and kind of defected, but not necessarily a good guy either, but maybe wants to see them fail or not see them complete their mission because it's, you know, it's going to be devastating to the galaxy or for some whatever reason where she, you know, defects, but yet she still kind of keeps the helmet that she wore, but maybe he's wearing a different outfit. So that's one theory that I have with her. That could be different from the bounty hunter range just to mix it up. So you're not, having the same old type of characters we see all the time <laughs> as far as ones that look cool and have these awesome like helmets that they're just either a bounty hunter or for the empire of the first order that has these cool looks. So hopefully maybe it's something different, but regardless, mm-hmm. again, I can't wait to see more of her. Yeah. I think, I think there's a better, that pic, obviously the picture on the, on the post on that poster specifically isn't like, it's obviously blurry and not well, you can't really see the details very well. And I'm not, I'm not like whatever about it. It's the other picture with the one with Jana with with the bow and arrow that is really cool. It makes me go, okay, that does look really cool, and I really like her outfit. So there's definitely some cool designs, which we'll obviously get to the next ones. Mm-hmm. Correct. Well, well, well. Hold on, hold on. I'm saving the best for last. Well, the best, fair enough, fair the enough. best, and the most 
thought-provoking. Um, okay, thank you. Thank so you. It, just to run down some of the other stuff on this poster, we've got uh, some new resistance ships in the background. We've got an X-Wing, an A-Wing, and now a Y-Wing, which like, is, which is cool, yeah. to, which is cool to see, yeah. but also kind of made me roll my eyes like, oh, okay, of course we're going to add yes. Y-Wings into the mix now because what other <laughs> ship from the original trilogy have we second. not recycled yet? Kyle, hold on a second, Kyle. I got, I got a song I need to sing here. Celebrate oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. You know what? You know what? I can you guys tell Paul is a fan of Y Wings? Um, <laughs> all I gotta say is what starship has survived for three, three, one, two, three, one, two, three generations? What Star Wars Starfighter has lasted that long? Not X Wings, not A Wings. Mother loving <laughs> And what was the ship that the Empire decided to get rid of and just you know take out of production because they were useless? Don't even try to use that crap on me. Too. That <laughs> Rebel Season 3 premiere, they were destroying those, you know, they yeah, they were destroying everything. They were just next on the docket. <laughs> but they kept the other designs, like the Jedi Starfighter. They integrated into the Tie Fighters. So there's some designs from the Old Republic that they decided to use. But the Y Wings, trash. No, Y Wings are trash, and Y Wings survived. They're the they're the, they're the working man's ship. Dang it! <laughs> I mean, look, Y Wings are cool. I was just hoping we'd get to see a new Resistance ship in this movie. Um, hey argument here i i'm with you 100 like, i would have loved to see that in episode seven yeah yeah <laughs> but no we, no we we got we got uh we got some cool ships in episode eight but they they all they didn't really serve a purpose and got blown up like within like two seconds so i mean you know whatever sorry i was kind of a cheap shot i do i do like <laughs> resistance bombers by the way. i really do but i the thing is i will say that if they're not going to go if they're not going to be original and or if I should say, they're just gonna steal from the original trilogy, and uh, use these Y wings and A wings and X wings, and not really come up with their own ships whatsoever. Then, at least give me Y wings. If they were gonna leave out the Y wings and only do X wings and A wings, I would have been like kind of irritable about that. But now that that shows me we got Y wings, I lost it. <laughs> I'm so 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 excited to see Y wings again. I don't even care if it. I, I don't even care at this point because I, because I like I said, I was bummed out that you know we got only X wings in Episode Seven, and they felt you know JJ and crew felt like oh we can't do more than that. <sighs> anyway, that's a whole another that's a whole another podcast. So anyway, but yeah, I I'm ecstatic about Y wings. Obviously, yeah. at so, least we know for sure there's one aspect of Episode Nine that Paul is gonna love. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's um, a couple more. Oh, yeah, that's true. No, we'll we'll get to that. We're slowly making our way. There's the the resistance ships. There's the Millennium Falcon. Uh, there's a new alien on here. There's a new droid next to BB-8 who's also on here. Um, we've got a new Tie Fighter design. So we got some. Uh, there's like a First Order Star Destroyer and a couple regular First Order Tie Fighters, and then a new looking Tie Fighter design with just straight up like triangular wings. Um, it looks kind of cool. I mean, it looks like it's nothing like radically new, like, but I mean, that's kind of how the TIE fighters have always been, right? Like TIE interceptors and TIE bombers, like they all look like they fit within that same production line. So I'm glad that we're getting a new TIE fighter variant. 
Um, and I hope that we get to see these things in action and uh, they, they kind of get some cool moments. Um, and then we've got uh, just some regular First Order Stormtroopers next to Kylo Ren. Um, but now we'll get into the top three here. Uh, number three being the red Stormtroopers down at the bottom. Um, and it's funny because at first I almost thought these were just like First Order Stormtroopers with just kind of like red lighting. But the fact that you also see regular white Stormtroopers on the poster as well, it's like, oh, no. So these guys are different. Um They've got red armor, and the guys in the background, like, it kind of looks like just regular First Order Stormtrooper armor, but you can tell from the guy in the front, like, the armor is a lot, at least the, um, well, I think on both the helmet and the faceplate, it's got some more angular lines on it, um, and so it looks a lot more, um, I don't know, I guess edgy, for lack of a better word, like, literally, like, it's got edges and angles on the armor, and it looks kind of cool. Um, it also has the the T visor shape for the lenses, which looks really cool. Oh, more you're like the right. Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, I didn't even really like. I noticed that, but it didn't stick out as like, oh, it didn't have that before. But you know what? I think the uh, it's hard to tell because the image is kind of blurry. It's hard to tell if they all have it or if it's just yeah, this guy that in is the front. Hard. Like, yeah, it might just be the guy in the front, and those are his troopers, all the ones in red. But they're definitely getting a new special type of stormtroopers for this movie, which I can't wait to see and. Uh, see, I remember there was a report about, like, about what the role is going to be. I can't remember <laughs> what it was, which is maybe is a good thing since I'll go into the aspect of it fresh, not knowing about it. But I remember there was a report about uh, this new type of troopers being involved in the movie and how they were going to be red. So yeah, just again, more cool looking trooper armor. I mean, we got mm-hmm. a little bit of uh, seeing what even was. Uh, see, I'm forgetting his name now, but the pilot in Resistance, who wasn't oh. in as many episodes as we thought, but <laughs> yeah, Major Von Reg. There you go. Okay, so he was kind of like the red trooper <laughs> in the First Order, but now we're going to see a whole bunch more. So I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to see just exactly what purpose they serve. Maybe they just answered a Kylo Ren, and they're his special troops, or some special unit from the First Order that only handles specific situations. So should be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then moving on to, uh, I guess the, well, maybe second most, uh, talked about thing on the poster, but definitely the coolest and the one that's got me the most excited is the Knights of Ren. Um, we've got these, (laughs) they're standing right over Kylo's shoulder. There's six of them grouped together, all with different masks and hoods and helmets and stuff, just looking like a cross between Sith Lords and Samurai and freaking like Nazgul from Lord of the Rings. Like these guys <laughs> yep. just look scary and intimidating and awesome. And um, I really hope that they get like their moment to shine in the movie. Like, please don't Captain Phasma these guys. Like <laughs> give us full explanations about like who they are and where they come from and like their relation to Kylo. And I mean, I'm not saying make them the main characters of the movie. Cause obviously I know that's not going to happen, but yeah, just, just don't give these guys the Phasma treatment. Like let them be cool and intimidating bad guys. Um, and then after the movie, give us like a Knights of Ren comic or novel or something. And I will actually read it for once. Um, <laughs> as it comes out. Yeah, yeah, as it actually yeah. comes out. Not wait 20 years later and be like, hey, Kyle, or hey, Tim and Paul, could, should I read that Knights of Ren comic that came out like 12 years ago? Nah, nah, like, I would be all over that. that. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure, oh, man. But, man, yeah, <laughs> just... 
we know we've heard the rumors and reports about them being in the movie, but the fact that we're actually seeing visually of what they're going to look like in this poster, it's just super cool. I mean, we've been waiting to see more of the Knights of Ren since The Force Awakens, and it looks like we're going to, well, I shouldn't say it looks like, <laughs> we pretty much are getting that in episode nine. And like you said, Kyle, just hopefully they have a substantial role, you know, that fits to what to serve a purpose, what they're meant to, and to leave fans satisfied um, to see what the Knights of Ren are all about. Hopefully, um, they'll have a, a sequence like the Praetorian Guards did in The Last Jedi that showed off uh, their cool abilities and their cool armor, and maybe even expand on that more, because I think the Knights of Ren should be on another level <laughs> more than the Praetorian Guards, just because there's this uh, mystery surrounding them, and almost like this lore, since they were just name-dropped once in The Force Awakens, and we're just everyone's wondering what are they about, what's their role, and we've seen them in that Force Vision Ray has. So um, it's kind of something where even though we haven't heard much of them, there's already a lot of hype going into it, <laughs> just mm -hmm. because of speculation of what possibly they could be. So you're right. Hopefully they JJ delivers on their potential that they can have for at least a cool action sequence. And this goes into my theory about maybe Zori being a Knights of Ren defective, so to speak, where they. Kylo Ren or the Knights of Ren don't, ha don't have to provide too much exposition or history about them, but she could maybe talking to Rey or the Resistance explaining exactly who these Knights of Ren are and going into like what they're all about and how dangerous they could be. And at the same time, too, this goes into the whole thing brought in from The Last Jedi about the other half of Luke's students who Ben Solo took. Are we going to expand on that more, the reasons why they left and why they followed Kylo? So, so much going on about the Knights of Ren being in this movie that just gets me so excited just from a cool visual and action standpoint and just from a story standpoint too of what to find out more what they're all about and then about them possibly being Luke's uh, former students as well just so much good stuff and again just so awesome <laughs> that they are going to be this movie that's one thing we can check off our most you know I guess anticipated or thing we were hoping to see in episode nine it's definitely checking off that box because Knights of the Ren was pretty or the Knights of Ren was pretty high up there for all of us, so mm -hmm. it's just great to see. Yeah, for sure. What, what if I if I may? What if you analyze this poster, the way that I think that it's it's showing, it's that that we have the resistance characters, the the main people that they're going to be following on top. Obviously, you've got Finn, Ray, Poe, and, and the other characters. Kind of obviously, the more kind of the forefront they are, the probably probably the more of a, a big not big deal, but more of a prominent role they're going to have. Obviously, well, Finn is a big deal. <laughs> wow. But as you as you see here, you've got Ray and Kylo, you know, front and center for both. But obviously, the Knights of Ren are kind of like they're kind of bigger and, and they're right behind Kylo. I think they're going to have a substantial role. And I think, I think you're honest something with, with Kitty Russell uh, character there, Tim, I think that, that could very well happen because you're going to need to have a lot of exposition in this movie. And you're going to, you know, it's not like you're going to, you need to have it done wisely and you want to give them, they're going to, you kind of built them up for multiple films. You got to know, you have to kind of know where, where, where have they been for two films? Yeah. Well, the nice thing is, at least one of the one of the the positives of having a movie movie that starts off right after the episode seven into episode eight, which obviously I have a problem with, but I'm just being that kind of compliment to, um, is that there's not really a lot of time that takes place between seven and eight. So all you have to do for the Knights of Ren is explain what where they were for what like a week during that time, and then you pretty much explain their whole absence. <laughs> so uh, for me. 
what, what I'm more interested in is, is the ancillary material that we're going to get that's going to explain it, kind of like what Kyle was saying, like the comic book, the book. To be honest, I hope there's not just one. I hope we get a bunch of different tales and different things about them because I think that they're – I have a feeling they're going to be a bigger deal than, than what we think. And, I, and, and if we are were to get one – I want it to be 100% a comic book. We've it's got to be a comic because there's such a visual there's such visual characters, you know yeah. what I mean? So I mean Phasma for the last film uh, last film got a book and a comic book series. So uh I think that you know so I think there's that's why I think you could get both. Uh I think you probably what if I if I was if I was a betting man, which I which I I will I'll just go ahead and, and put my chips down on it now. I think we're going to get a Knights of Ren comic and a book, but only one. I think the comic will deal with what they were doing during the Force Awakens, and I think that so that way they're going to have like a it's a short that way it can be a six issue story. It you, all you have to do is just tell the writers, you know, pitch a story for this, get, you know, and you know for a Knights of Ren they're gonna this is their back this is kind of a loosely their backstory. All you all you need to know is that their master is Kylo Ren, and they were off on a trip. You can't do this. You can't do that. Pitch us a story. They probably had a comic writer already pitch it to them. The artist is they're probably already half mostly done with it by now, and it's going to be a pretty like simple story about them raiding some town, destroying people, or something like that. Like that's that's what I think you're probably going to get from the comic. Now in the book, it's going to be more of like Kylo. Uh, like a tale of Kylo Ren before the force awakens with them kind of like leading them on somewhere and kind of loosely kind of connecting where, where his connections are. Cause I kind of feel that they're going to have to kind of explain who the Knights of Ren are. We're, we're going to have an idea of who they are before we walk into episode nine. It just makes sense that way. Well, I because... think, I think in a novel they could even maybe pick up right after like that flashback in episode eight like start yeah, the book yeah, yeah, with yeah. Kylo turning on Luke and taking those students and then show how, you know, how Ben Solo and a few other Jedi who turned against Luke, how they become Kylo and the Knights of Ren and, uh, you know, what they're up to and how they get involved with Snoke and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I think I think that's but here's the thing. Is that too soon for episode nine? You would think that it wouldn't be at this point because it's wrapping up the saga and I, I I want that, and I think there's potential of getting that, but for some reason I just don't know if JJ is going to want that much information out before his movie comes out. Like I maybe well, it could, it could come out afterwards too. I'm yeah. I'm not talking about no, that, necessarily that's stuff that's coming out on Force Friday. I'm just talking about potential like backstory material that we could get with no, them. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, but what I'm talking about is before the movie comes out. So, or, or how about this? With, it, it'll, it'll, it will either come out with the movie or before the movie. So you might be right then, because if the book comes out the same day as the movie, then yes, then, you, then I think 100% there's going to be that they may do that. And that would make sense. But before, I don't think so. But yeah, I, I think there's a big possibility of that. And I think they need to start doing that, to be honest, because they're, it's wrapping up and they need to have they need to have something. And I think there's been enough time to develop and, and kind of flesh out. Cause here's my question, guys. Are the Knights of Ren, even the students from, from with Kylo Ren? I'm assuming they are. Oh, I think it's so. A, yeah. I think it's a, we're I assuming, mean, but you're right. We don't know 100% for sure. We don't know yeah. 100%. It, it will be a total waste if they're not. I will say that. <laughs> if, yeah. If, if, 
one of the, the good things that Ryan Johnson did do was maybe leave that open right there, to be mm-hmm. honest. So, I mean, I, and again, I like, I like a lot of things at last year. I should, I shouldn't be so harsh, but I'm just, I'm in a bitter, I'm in a bitter mode right now about the Skywalker. <laughs> I kind of blame <laughs> a little bit and JJ, but, but anyway, but yeah, as far as the Knights of Red, I, I'm ecstatic. I cannot wait to see them. And, uh, I hope we get some, we get like a nice, cool shot of all of them in, in, in like, in the trailer that we're going to get in, in next week. Oh gosh, next week guys. Um, or, or two, it, it's loosely. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost two weeks away, but technically because it's Sunday as we're recording this and it is going to be Friday of yeah, technically next week. Um, yeah, so it's it. Yeah. So basically I just hope the trailer shows a couple of shots, at least one action shot with them in action, and then one really good shot of them the standing, like so you could freeze frame it and just analyze like for days mm-hmm. uh, about about them, like we like we got from the episode seven trailer with the uh, with the rain shot with with Kylo holding what looks like to be Luke's green lightsaber. So um, yeah, uh, I I we need it, you know, we we need this we need this them in the trailer and I'm so ecstatic to see them in this movie. And they're like, like I said, they're going to be at the, the fact they're in this poster and the, where, where they're positioned in the poster, they're a big deal. And they're going to mm-hmm. be probably the, I'm trying to compare it from like, it's, it, they're going to be more than the Praetorian guards. How about that? Yeah. That's what I, I mean. hope so. I, I, I 100%. If you look, I'm looking, I had the episode eight poster. Yes. The episode eight poster is in my, uh, FD studios and it is right next to me because I love star Wars and all star Wars posters are on my wall. And, uh, you say that like you need to justify it. I, I'm just saying, people know I'm harsh on it. The Praetorian guards are very small underneath Kylo and, and, and with them is kind of with, with Chewie and, you know, just for me, it just, I just, I'm just thinking they're just gonna, they're the way, even on, even that's not the real poster, that's, that's the movie poster. I can just tell like they're, they're a big deal. And, and I, and I think they're gonna be main characters and they're gonna be, there's gonna be a lot of dialogue from them. Not, I, I hope so anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming so. So, yeah. Yeah. I really I, hope so. I'm trying not to get my hopes up too much because, again, like I really just don't want them to get the phasma treatment. So, I don't want to go into it like really hyped up about them and then be let down. But I think, let's say, like if they had a fight scene on the scale of the, uh, the Ray and Kylo versus the Praetorian Guards fight in The Last Jedi, like if they get that much. Um, screen time like uh, in in action scenes and then we just get like some store like a, just a little bit of story earlier on in the movie explaining like why they're there and who they are and their relation to Kylo and stuff like just a couple good story scenes and then just one really awesome action scene involving all of them I would be happy with that yeah yeah that's no, that's I- where I'm setting my expectation and then anything more than that is just icing on the cake yeah yeah, yeah. but just I, I, don't I, I, phasma yeah. them out the trash compactor yeah, <laughs> I, I I think they've learned their lesson a little bit with that. So, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then last but not least, um, <laughs> man, I know Paul's chomping at the bit to talk about this. And I'm just like, what the heck is going on here? We've got C-3PO holding <laughs> Chewie's bowcaster. <laughs> and and, and, wear, and wearing his bandolier. Yeah. <laughs> now, this honestly, this is the thing that makes me think 
that makes me question the legitimacy of this because this to me just doesn't make sense. First of all, it seems ridiculous and doesn't seem like the kind of thing they would put in the movie, especially if you go back to like some in interviews that Anthony Daniels has done about the prequels. He hated doing that droid factory sequence in Attack of the Clones, and he kept telling George Lucas that it was like ridiculous and that all these, th you know, 3PO flying around on the platforms and stuff. He's like, this isn't like what 3PO does and like you're making him like move in certain ways that 3PO isn't supposed to be able to move and you know all that so I'm like I don't think that Chewie is going to turn action hero in this movie and he's you know he's not going to like be picking up the bowcaster and be blasting stormtroopers maybe there's like one comedic moment where he has it but if that's the case, why would they ruin that in the poster? You know, like, I would think that they would want to save that as a surprise. Um, it's just, like, the fact that that would even be in the movie seems ridiculous to me. And then it's like, well, if it is in the movie, the fact that they would put it on the poster and let you know ahead of time that it's going to happen in the movie seems ridiculous. Unless Chewie is going to have it for, like, the whole movie. And that just seems absurd. Plus, if you look at Chewie on the poster, he still has his bandolier and his bowcaster. So this, to me, I'm like... Did somebody at Lucasfilm put out like an altered version of this where like they photoshopped that bowcaster in and then they just wanted to see if somebody leaked this and now they're like, oh, we know who leaked the poster because I only sent the one, the version with 3PO with the bowcaster to Dave over in VFX. Like it's his fault. <laughs> um, you know, just, I don't know. I like, I'm like, are they messing with this or is this like, again, maybe it was supposed to be a surprise and it was like a leaked one that somebody, you know, photoshopped into this poster or... I don't know. It just seems weird to me. Like it, it's, but everything else on the poster looks legit. So I'm not saying it's all fake just because Chewie's got a bow or because three PO has got a bowcaster, but it just, I don't know. It's weird to me, but what do you guys think? Tim, yeah. go ahead, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I didn't even notice it right away. I was too busy geeking out about the Knights of Ren, the, the new characters on there, the red store troopers. And I said, okay, see three PO there. Cool. But <laughs> that was it. And then, you said like a zoom in image text of it kind of like, oh, what the heck? <laughs> like, what's going on here? So, yeah, I mean, it definitely took me by surprise, but I don't know. I'm expecting it to be in there somehow, some way. Maybe it's not in the way we're expecting where C-3PO is going to have this big comedic action sequence again, all uh, Attack of the Clones. But maybe it's something where Chewie, because if you look at it, too, it looks like he has a raised staff on his shoulder too. It does. It looks like a race staff. Yeah. So maybe it's something where they have oh, to go. Oh yeah. Into, I didn't notice that. They have to go into a place where there's no weapons allowed going real bare bones and three PO's the only one there who could take care of their weapons. <laughs> like he's holding on to them hmm. for a good portion of a, of a sequence or a, an act of the movie or whatnot. He's just holding on to all their gear. And at some points they need to get their weapons back. And when all hope seems lost, 3PO comes in <laughs> with Chewie's bowcaster, Ray staff, his bandolier, and there's some comedic jokes going on, and then Chewie and Ray get it back before C-3PO actually uses it. Or maybe he fires off a shot on accident and hits a trooper or whatnot. But <laughs> I'm expecting some type of comedic moment with it, but at the end of the day, it's not going to be so over-the-top like Attack of the Clones was. So, yeah, it's definitely surprising, but I just can't wait to see what exactly we're going to see C-3PO with this, all this stuff would. So I'm definitely intrigued, but I'm definitely expecting to see C-3PO with all that stuff on there. Even though as crazy as it sounds, I have a hard time believing that just one aspect of this poster is, you know, a fake job <laughs> where they just, 
I mean, maybe you're right, Kyle. They did want to try to find out who would leak it, but I don't know. It just seems it's a little too much to do that. It just seems yeah. crazy and crazy enough to where it's true type of thing yeah. <laughs> where it's going to be accurate. It's something totally unexpected. So we'll see. But yeah, it's definitely caught me by surprise. So I have a lot to say about this. And because for people who may not know, 3PO is one of my favorite characters growing up in Star Wars. I love the droids. Uh, C-3PO, C-3PO and R2-D2, but for some reason, I, I loved C-3PO growing up. I just loved him. And I just have a just an affinity for the character. And I, I, I've always, when I was a kid, I always wanted him to have, I always thought, why doesn't 3PO get a blaster? For some reason, I always wanted to know that. I always wanted, I always thought, wouldn't it be smart to give your droid, like your your best droid, again, 3PO, a blaster to protect himself or give him weapons so he can protect himself? R2 can kind of protect himself and he's got some kind of like, you know, electrify electrocutes people. I just kind of thought it would make sense for you want your your droid that you, you know, consider like your family. It's again, this is before the Phantom Menace, knowing that what, what was going on. I mean I thought it would make sense to give him a blaster. And I always thought it'd be really cool. And I, when I played Star Wars, Star Wars with my action figures, I always pretended or tried to give 3PO a gun. <laughs> nice. And like, that's just how I, how I played. And fast forward to years later, I was playing with my toys. And when I was in middle school, the droids Dark Horse comic books has an issue three has an issue cover for the cover of the issue by Killian Plunkett, by the way. Oh, really? I never knew that. <laughs> yeah, I love Well, Killian did a lot of the Star Wars covers for uh, Dark Horse back in the mid 90s. Oh, that's cool. Er, early mid 90s. Uh, and his artwork is fantastic, by the way. It's so good. Like, he's he's legit. Like, there's a reason why he's working at Lucasfilm with Animation Division because his, his, his artwork is amazing. Uh, anyway. And what the if you if you guys go Google Droids issue three, you'll you'll probably come up with a picture of a protocol droid with an X on his head holding up a blaster straight at the screen with a Boba Fett jetpack on. <laughs> and that cover blew my gosh darn mind, man. Let me tell you. And I was like, what? And <laughs> and that's unfortunately three PX. Not C-3PO, and they obviously get misjudged for one another because, anyway, long story. Read the comic. It's a cute little comic. Uh, anyway, but I always thought that, that that image is ingrained in my head, and I love, love that comic, love that comic, love that picture. So it kind of, again, that that cover kind of gave my, my, my childhood memories a tease, if you will. And I never thought I'd ever see something like that in canon. Fast forward to this lead picture of C-3PO <laughs> holding a freaking bowcaster. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I was a little taken aback by it, and I was blown away and very excited. But I got a couple of issues with it. Not even issues, but just kind of questions. And... I, I had and I've, what I've understood, the, what I've learned a little bit more, which may be kind of spoilery. So for some people who are sensitive to spoilers, like may want to skip a little ahead because I heard something the other day that uh, 
maybe explains a little bit, kind of what in line what you said already, Tim. But anyway, just fast forward a couple of minutes. But excuse me. Um, basically, uh, 3PO is holding. I, and I didn't realize it's holding Ray's staff, holding the bowcaster. I don't think Chewie's dead. I don't think I don't think anything like that. I, I don't. I think it's like he's a character you kill off. Yeah. If he wasn't holding Ray's staff, I would be a little worried about that. <laughs> oh, that never even crossed my mind, especially when Chewie's also on the poster. No, I agree. So I never thought that, but I always wondered what exactly is is going on because it's not like obviously he's going to probably use it in some form because he's actually holding it, like he's holding it like he's about to, you know, like he's about to use it. So I, because if, if Adis was going to leave their weapons around, they wouldn't just give it to three PO and go, here you go. Like there's obviously something going on that he's like preparing for. So I think there's something like that going on. So I think he does eventually use it. And I hope it actually is like, he I hope it's not a Jar Jar moment where he accidentally destroys like a whole like TIE fighter squadron of, yeah, hopefully you know, not. I hope I hope he actually legitimately has a legit warrior moment of like, wow, 3PO actually did something like really cool because I love 3PO and I will always, always want to see 3PO shoot a blaster for legitly uh, for legitly legitly uh, in a movie. So that would be a childhood dream of mine. And this is I guys, I'm not kidding. This is 100 percent accurate. Real. I'm not lying. This is something I, I wanted as a kid. So this is very, very like a big deal for me. So, go ahead, Tim. You, you now, I was going to say real quick, as you know, as much as you hate to hear it, Paul, well, this is being billed as the final chapter in the Skywalker saga. This could be a good way to cap off 3PO's character. After all previous eight movies of him kind of being the coward and scared droid who runs away and complains and yells about danger, he actually steps up in this movie and goes into danger to... <laughs> In, in, in combat for whatever the reason is with those weapons so yeah now that you're saying that that could be a kind of a cool way to end character. character arc yeah 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 and that's and that's what i thought too i thought that would be a great idea so with all that said i right what i am kind of struggling with though is a couple here's here are the things i'm struggling with the first one is not spoilery it's just like a practical how in the heck is this guy holding up a bowcaster <laughs> like that thing's heavy man i mean you see han he's like you know he's like oh, wow i like this thing you know whatever i mean it's like a he actually has to like hold it and i'm assuming han is stronger than 3po so i i mean granted like han is still holds it with one hand one arm whatever but it looks like it's still like heavy and cumbersome mm -hmm. i can't I can't imagine 3PO holding it and being able to shoot it like in it come across like, oh, you can actually pick it up because that seems kind of hard. But at the same time, science fiction fantasy, I'm not going it, to it's whatever. It, it's a it's a minor, minor squabble. This kind of spoilery thing is that I heard. And again, fast forward a few minutes, people is now. And I'm sorry, guys, if you haven't, if you guys haven't heard this already, but apparently on the footage that was out that they they had a sizzle reel of. Mm hmm. Apparently, Ray was holding the bowcaster as well at one point. Hmm. So there's something with the bowcaster that's being tossed around. And that, again, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure. If, you know, I don't think it has anything to do with Chewie. But Ray is in, a, in the sizzle reel was holding it at some point. So there might be something to it where they give it to 3PO, like protect yourself kind of a thing. I don't know. So that's why I think there's a legit 
reason for him holding it and potentially using it to like protect himself kind of a thing. And maybe he has race staff as like a joke, like he's got all the weapons ready to use them or whatever. So that's what I kind of think that it could happen. And so it, it's really, to be honest, I'm really excited. Like I'm really, I wish I kind of wish I didn't see it, but I, to be honest, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, obviously I would have saw it in a couple of weeks anyway, or in a couple of months because it's on the posters that's going to come out. And I'm sure force Friday would have these images plastered throughout and, and all, speaking of which, do you guys remember back in 2015 when we went to celebration and like literally this, the day right after we got out, it seemed like it was right after, right after we got out of the, the panel, the, like they, all those leaked promotional images dropped. No, that's, before. No, was, yeah, that's before. what I was just talking about earlier, that it happened like the day of or the, the morning oh, of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's morning of that. You're right. I'm sorry. You're right. So. It, it looks just like those, and mm. and I'm wondering if we're gonna get more. So that's why I'm thinking like it's not that bit much of a spoiler. I would have probably found out within around September, probably anyway, when Force Friday happens. So I found out what six months early. Not a big. That's not that big of a deal. It's or not six months early, but more of I found out about a promotional image six months before the promotional image came out, or a few months before the promotional image came out. Not a big deal. It's not a spoiler. It's not that, you know not that big of a deal. So. I'm not that devastated by it, so I'm really, like I said, I'm really excited. As a as a huge 3PO fan, this is really really exciting for me to see something that I always kind of wanted 3PO to do, potentially do. It's it's I'm not gonna lie, it's a little surreal. <laughs> it's a little. <laughs> That's surreal. awesome though. <laughs> it really is. Like it's it'd be like something as a kid you guys i never thought i'd see that it's it's not the same level as like seeing episode seven for the first time or, or hearing about it for the first time and, and but it's like if that's like a 10 this is like a a four or a three it's just like wow i never thought i'd see that kind of a thing mm-hmm. if that makes any sense it's not the highest but it's 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 low enough but it, it's still like wow I, I can't believe i'm gonna see that <laughs> still plenty enough to get you excited yeah yeah, yeah. exactly so anyway i i started i've been talking a lot so i i i will i will shut my mouth for a while but no that's fine yeah. i mean i'm glad we all kind of have a, a range of uh opinions on that and you know we'll see whose predictions are closest when the movie comes out but i mean it's cool that that's you know something that you wanted to see as a kid um yeah. One thing I will say about this poster is that, man, I just hope we get everything in this poster somehow in the first teaser. Like a quick shot of like the mm-hmm. Knights of Ren, 3PO with all that gear, Zori, the Red Troopers, like everything. Because so much of this poster looks so cool. And I got to be honest, I mean, you all know how excited I am for episode nine. We all are. But this really amped up my anticipation and yeah. excitement level for yeah. celebration yeah. just to get that first look at the trailer and you know even though it's a leak it's almost like the perfect teaser yeah. <laughs> to the celebration mm-hmm. stuff we're gonna get with it great point it just gets you that more amped up to how cool it was so yeah i wasn't expecting any leaks maybe i should have because like we were talking about those force awakened leaks before celebration but it doesn't even cross my mind for whatever reason probably because it didn't happen with last jedi but I'm glad it did because it just really made me <laughs> chomping at the bit to get to that Friday of April 12th to get all this episode nine stuff. So can, yeah, can, awesome. Can, and then, sorry, I, I have one last one, not about this, but something I want to bring up that I, I think that we may have not considered about Ray's lightsaber. 
what if it is a double bladed lightsaber, but they just haven't shown it in the promotional images? What if it really there's like a way like that's like the surprise that it comes out at the end, like of the other end, but she doesn't use it very much. Yeah, it kind of looks similar to Maul. You can always tell though that his he had a bigger hilt <laughs> mm-hmm. that showcased the two blades, or it could be a little something where like Kanan did, even though his was for one lightsaber, but she has like the other half hidden somewhere. She puts it together when she needs to activate it as a double-bladed lightsaber. Maybe that happens yeah. in the very final act sequence where she's taking on Kylo and the Knights of Ren. I mean, how cool would that be? <laughs> I, I think it's still, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but I I, I kind of thought that possibility, if you look at the, the lightsaber itself, it's, it feels like, it. you never know. It, it really mm-hmm. could, I mean, you never know. Like, like That's a great point. They, she could just maybe, maybe she modifies it later on to be more like her staff because she's more comfortable with it. But, I, I am a little disappointed also of the of the lightsaber color. Actually, I mean, even though it's my favorite of all of them, I would have preferred a different color at this point. Nah, see, first of all, you know how much I love the blue bladed lightsaber. No, I love it too. And I she still it. has the blue crystal. Yeah, yeah and, that's, oh, give her a different crystal for God's sakes. Come but then on. It would, it'd go back to the things we're complaining about with The Force Awakens copying A New Hope. It'd be like, oh, it's the last movie of the trilogy. She has to have a green lightsaber now yeah. because Luke had one. So I'm glad they didn't go that route. Yeah, I'm I don't know what I was expecting, but like if it's just if she just rebuilt Anakin's, I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that. Boo! (laughs) No, I'm still out holding out hope for a double bladed too. As long as it's blue. Yeah, we'll see. Blue and green, and then red. (laughs) You have a triple bladed lightsaber. Make a lightsaber (laughs) fidget spinner. Yeah. (laughs) Um all right, well, so that's the the leaked poster and the leaked images. Oh, and the one other thing we didn't mention is in the, the character images, there's also a picture of Lando, um, you know, looking suave as ever in his uh, outfit that kind of looks like his one from Empire Strikes Back, except with the yellow shirt. And I think we talked about this from the last, ba- the last um, batch of leaked images as well. So it's kind of like combining his original trilogy look with his look from Solo, A Star Wars Story, and then he's got a cane now, too. Um, which looks like a stylish cane. Like, it's not like Lando's old and, you know, hobbling around. It's yeah. like, I mean, maybe he needs it to walk, but, you know, he looks like he's he's rocking the cane, like pulling it off as part of his, his outfit. So um, it'll be cool to see him again, too. Definitely. Um, but let's move on to a rumor about some other Star Wars movies um, besides Episode Nine, And uh, this is a report that came from Star Wars Newsnet a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm just going to read this cause I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, blow things too out of proportion. Um, I'm trying to keep my cool here. This is just a rumor, you know, take this with, with health, healthy heapings of grains of salt. Uh, but they're saying their, their article here says a contact who has worked on every Disney star Wars film has shared some interesting information. According to them, the next star Wars film could possibly begin filming this fall. And it will be the first film in the series of films by game of Thrones showrunners, David Benioff and DB Weiss. I am trying to get some confirmation on this information from other places, but as of now, I only have one source, so I can only report this as a rumor. So use your pinches of cinnamon as you wish. Because of that simple fact, I can't say I am as confident in this as I am about the Obi-Wan Kenobi streaming service series report, though the source provided proof that they have worked on every Star Wars film since Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm and claimed that they are 95% confident this is accurate, so let's simply go over what we were told. 
Our source told us they were approached about working on the next movie this autumn. It is not the Ryan Johnson trilogy. It is the Game of Thrones guy's first movie, and it is set during the Old Republic, as Disney wants to open up Star Wars timeline and appeal to a more Game of Thrones-style audience. This really seems so on the nose in terms of what fans have been wishing for from these guys, so I asked for clarity on what else he heard about the project. Um, and in quotes here, it says, So the timeline is hundreds of years prior to the Skywalkers, so think almost Star Wars meets Lord of the Rings. And then he says, I asked if there was any grasp on something tangible happening for this production yet, or if it was all strictly talk, discussion-based. And according to our source, the art departments are doing pre-production work as we speak. And they said filming starts in the fall and the art departments are in design phases now as the script is being finalized. That is all I know, but I am 95% confident that this is accurate. So, you guys back up to when Paul was screaming about the Y-Wings and singing Celebrate Good Times. Come on and insert that here for me because Old Republic, finally, this is what I want. Again, I'm I'm trying to stay calm and collected about this until we get an announcement from Lucasfilm because this does almost sound too good to be true. But it's one of those things that, like, it makes so much sense. They know this is what the fans want, and so it makes sense that they would do this, but at the same time, when a rumor comes out about it, it's like, oh, yeah, well, of course there's a rumor about it because that's just the easy, you know, bait that people are going to latch on to because they want that, so... But man, just uh, the Game of Thrones guys doing a movie set in the Old Republic. And look, again, I don't, at this point, I don't even care if it's a Darth Revan movie or a Darth Bane movie or if it's the Mandalorian Wars or if they would just want to go in a completely new direction. But just having like Star Wars history on screen and seeing like ancient Jedi and ancient Sith and just exploring that part of the timeline, like the kind of stuff that like Obi-Wan and Yoda would have read about in history books at the Jedi temple is just so freaking cool to me. And again, even if they don't bring in any of the legends canon stuff, like with, like I said, Darth Revan or Darth Bane or anything like that, even though I love that stuff and I would love to see at least some kind of adaptation or some kind of reference to it. You already have hints of stuff within the new canon, like the battle on Malachor in that we saw, you know, the the remnants of in Star Wars Rebels, and the stuff about Tor Vizsla and the dark saber, and that he was, you know, the first Mandalorian Jedi, and then the dark saber was kept in the Jedi Temple, and it was stolen by Mandalorians during a war between the Mandalorians and the Jedi, and even uh, Kanan references that too in his duel with Sabine, and he says, you know, the Jedi, he's like, hey, newsflash, like the Mandalorians lost the war with the Jedi or whatever. Um, so we have these ancient conflicts with, like, Jedi and Mandalorians and Sith that are referenced, and, like, just pick one of those and flesh it out and give us a story about that, and I would be the first one in line at the movies. Like, this is, yeah, th this is what I want right here. <laughs> this would just get me so pumped, and, I mean, again... I'm waiting till I get official confirmation on this, till we get some kind of announcement before I, you know, 100% flip my lid. But, I mean, Star Wars Newsnet has been pretty reliable in the past. You know, this is not just some rando, you know, uh, you know, fake rumor reporting site out there just kind of throwing out clickbait. Like a few weeks ago when there were all those rumors flying around about, oh, there's going to be a Rose Tycho live action series and a, a Leia one and a, a, you know, Phasma one. And, you know, people were just throwing stuff out left and right. And it was like, this stuff doesn't seem credible. But the fact that they're citing a source here that they have apparently confirmed has worked on all the Disney Star Wars films um, 
you know, I'm like, okay, okay, I can, I can buy into this. I'm not dismissing this or thinking, you know, oh, this sounds, uh, you know, like complete bogus. Um, so I think there could be some credibility to this. And if this turns out to be true, then whoo boy, you think I'm excited for this celebration. Just wait till celebration of the year. These movies are about to come out. <laughs> Man, yeah, you were the first person I thought of when I read this report. Like, oh man, Kyle's gonna flip out. <laughs> What's the years about this? But yeah, it all sounds like you were saying it was too good to be true in a way. And see, I look at it in two ways, in opposite ways, though. One thinking that, yeah, you get the creators of Game of Thrones to do go back in time to the Star Wars history, to have it on that level of Game of Thrones, where you're going back, having like these are massive battles just with lightsabers and exploring that history that you talked about with star wars it's right up their alley and it makes total sense but at the same time i think would they go that full-blown obvious route of a direction to go for their star wars project because part of me thinks just as creators they want to try something new and maybe not be you know going to that sticking with that typecasting so to speak where that's like the only type of stories they can tell but again Maybe they just want to work with their strengths, and that's why Lucasfilm wanted to bring them on board to tackle this particular era of Star Wars. And if that is the case, I'll be excited about it because I'm like you, Kyle. I don't love that era as much as you do, but just to get that history and more into the main canon of the Jedi would be amazing. And one thing I'm hoping for, too, how in this report it's saying it'll be set like 100 years before the Skywalker saga. And I don't think it has to go... What, 3,000 or 4,000 years like the Old Republic games were when the technology and weapons were pretty much the same <laughs> as it was 3,000 years later when we get into the movies. That's something that always bugged me about the Old Republic games, especially the online multiplayer one. Those trailers with the troopers that looked like clone troopers and their, their armors, like, couldn't think of anything different when you're 3,000, 4,000 years <laughs> before the actual movies. So I'm hoping for just, like different, unique stuff where it does maybe have more of that medieval fantasy style type setting where the armor is more primitive the weapons are primitive but if they're but you still have to have some of that star wars technology in there and if it's only going to be a hundred years a few hundred years that's more easy to swallow than some that's a few thousand years and the technology is pretty much exactly the same so yeah i mean hopefully this ends up being the case i would be ecstatic for it as well because you're right Something that fans have been wanting to see that we haven't gotten in any of the movies is just a full-blown battle on the scale of a Game of Thrones battles scene or the Battle of Helm's Deep in the Lord of the Rings or Pelennor Fields where it's just these massive armies going at each other, but every soldier has a lightsaber <laughs> in that massive battle. How amazing would that be? And that would just... I mean, I can imagine being that such a big highlight and just a big selling point of this movie, if that is going to be the case, because that truly is something we haven't seen on screen before when it comes to Star Wars. So, yeah, a lot to be excited about if it's true, just from the creative standpoint, because they've proven that they can uh, tell stories in that regard and just get that history and more history into the Star Wars canon. So, yeah, a lot to be excited about. Now we just got to <laughs> hold our breath and hope it ends up being accurate. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm I, I'm very excited about this too, and and for those who who know, I I got into the Knights of the Old Republic kind of well after the fact. I've always heard great things about it. I know it's got a huge loyal fan base, and it wasn't until I got back into Star Wars uh, back when the Disney deal kind of went down, or as far as 
I decided to go deeper into the Knights of, of the Old Republic. My brother had always told me to play the video game, and I finally got it because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't play video games for a long time. And then finally, when I started getting excited with the Clone Wars, and then the, the sale to Disney happened, I started going full bore into everything again, and feeling like now, in, and especially because I knew they're probably going to reset things, or for the most part, or I just wanted to get more familiar familiar with these things because now i felt more of a reason to get back into these things and with knights of the republic i kind of definitely saw from the out i felt like i was very much on the outsider's view a little bit like i kind of feel like i'm in between tim and kyle as far as the my love of the knights of the Old republic i kind of do like it a lot like kyle does but i kind of i'm not as into it probably as kyle like tim but i'm probably, probably more into it than he is and I think, but I think we all can agree that this is, if this is truly is what Benioff and Weiss are going to be doing for their film, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that we all want to see an army of Sith versus an army of Jedi. That 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 is something that I think every Star Wars fans dream of seeing. That we've only seen it very mildly here or there. Even have multiple Jedi on screen at once. I mean. Even after we abolished the Sith and Return of the Jedi, there's still only one freaking Jedi in the movie. Oh, God, see, I keep going back to this guy. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we still haven't gotten that. And what I, what's going to be cool, at least by going pre, you know, going back really far, is that you can really do a lot. There's a lot of things you can establish. There's a lot of, but you don't have to do an origin of the Jedi. You can just talk about the Force. You know, you can even like hint at the prophecy. Yeah, I thought about mm-hmm. that. Dude, that'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah, think about how cool that would be. Like in a film, they kind of say we've discovered the prophecy of, of the forces telling us about a chosen one, and they kind of loosely talk about that, and they go, "This is what it must mean," and we all know what it really means of Skywalker Saga. And again, give us maybe they'll, they even say like they're saying that the the chosen one will have other, you know, maybe they'll, they'll even like they'll they'll elaborate of what. Again, Lucas won't be involved probably, but the least can say the chosen one says this and that that his, you know, in his his not lying because obviously at that point, you know, we don't know if his if they're if Jedi can, are supposed to be married at that point. Maybe they will. Maybe at that point they find it. Their their prophecy says his line, uh, or his or they say his his followers or his people. They could interpret and say, oh, his people means will will create the you know, the new line of, of Jedi orders. And maybe from that, they, that Kylo Ren in episode nine will have some kind of his death or resolve or whatever will help define that prophecy. You know, whatever you, you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, they could go they, real biblical with it too. Exactly. <laughs> and I think, I think there's potential there too, because I think because these are older, more, you could say quote unquote religious, if they are in fact, the older films or the older Jedi in, in these films. So, there's a lot of potential you can do of, of these of not just Sith. Cause I think you got to remember there's more evil Jedi than just Sith. Yeah. Obviously Snoke is a dark sider. He's not mm-hmm. a Sith. Sith is a very specific thing. Now, granted, I think the Sith are going to play a big part because people know them. Even the mainstream audience is aware of what the Sith are because of revenge of the Sith and the prequel. So, yeah. And even though, you know, Snoke and Kylo Ren aren't Sith, it's very much still in that same vein, especially with Kylo. Like he's emulating a Sith, like everything he does, he's trying to be like Darth Vader. So, 
Right. Um, right. I but, think you know that uh, legacy is still there. So yeah, I think well, uh, I think having the Sith be a part of that ancient history would still be you know just totally fit. But, but but like I said, you probably have one episode where the Sith are prominent, but maybe you don't have to have other films if you if you go after Benioff and Weiss. Maybe they want to do another old Jedi film with an idea that's not just Sith related. It's a total dark side idea, you know, like, again, like, the, like, like the night sisters or something like that. something in that vein, there's, a, you can take a lot more liberties at this point because with the Sith in that, during that time frame, there might be a lot more dark side stuff going on. Whereas we know at this point in the Phantom Menace that there's not really like, there's no red lightsabers. It's pretty much they've abolished all dark side stuff. Mm. And obviously there's an unbalance because the light side has everything. So there's, really, there's, just, there's a lot of cool possibilities that obviously that I just talked over my bottle. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> still wasn't but, a toy. Yeah. It wasn't a toy this time, but there's a lot of possibilities you can do with it. I, I just think that because they've gone forward and they've kind of, they've kind of already done their saga films and I think that one of the things that I, I we can all agree on is that I think that the Disney is starting to finally soften themselves about movies before episode, you know, prequels, the the, yeah. the bad word because mm-hmm. the Clone Wars has come back and mm-hmm. that's getting a lot of excitement. They're still pushing post Return of the Jedi content out with the Mandalorian, so. I feel like they've kind of learned their lesson. I mean, look at Battlefront 2, right? Everything is almost geared towards the Clone Wars, and that's yeah. what, <laughs> like what everyone asked for. Yeah. 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 That's single handedly saving the game. Now, it's not, it's obviously because uh, I think the, there's people who have loved those films and those video games from those films. But my point is, they weren't as bad. It wasn't as toxic as they thought it was because mm-hmm. they had it in their minds. And I think that's evident. They bringing back the Clone Wars and all that. Now, granted, the Clone Wars is coming back because to support Disney Plus. But my point is, I think Disney's starting to realize it's not as bad as we thought. And also, because of the idiots, uh, the people who are running the sequel trilogy decided not to have <laughs> Ultimate Jedi. Wow. <laughs> I had, I, I'm just I'm being really snarky today. <laughs> you guys are getting unfiltered, salty, Paul today. <laughs> hey, I apologize. You know, I, 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 I'm. Mostly, mostly joking, uh, but because there's not really a lot of Jedi and you're not really scratching that itch in their sequel trilogy. Now, granted, they signed off on it, and I think maybe they're they're starting to kind of see the limitations of what they kind of put themselves in. They realize if we're going to tell like if we're going to go all out and or if we're going to do different kinds of films, we've already done a Han Solo film. We've already done a, a an original trilogy era film or multiple films if you count Han Solo. But if you think about it, what's the next next logical step? They've already done this, this 7, 8, 9. 10, 11, 10, 11, 12 is pretty much off the books now because it's not the Skywalker saga is quote-unquote ending. Hopefully it doesn't. But again, they're saying it, it, it's going to. And what's the next logical step? The only next logical step is either go win in the future with all these with all these Jedi's, but I don't think you do that because you don't really you don't want to go too far and and obliterate any potential stories you have. Well, the smarter thing would be well, we already kind of know what the the past is. We already know that the Jedi were around for three hundred thousand years, and where the Jedi's worked for the old Republic. And there are 300 years worth, a thousand worth of Jedi stories we could tell. 
gee, let's start there maybe. I mean, it just seems like it's a no-brainer at this point. Yeah. I mean, there's there's not like, again, unless there's a, a specific like story that Benioff and Weiss are, are sitting there and they sit down with Kathleen Kennedy and say, hey, guys, we have a great idea for a smuggler bounty hunter story we, we really want to do. That makes sense. Okay, okay, that there's always that possibility, right? Maybe they have a pitch, but the key is series of films, yeah. multiple <laughs> mm-hmm. films. And I think that, and in judging whether, again, where they're coming from, it all just makes sense. The fact that they haven't done that yet, that's an itch they haven't scratched yet, where Benioff and Weiss are coming from, they've already shown they can do it, and it's a not a trilogy, but a series of films. It makes sense, and we and we we analyzed uh, again. Me and Tim were on Battlefront the other day. Tim wasn't on it, unfortunately. But Wait, we were talking. Wasn't on it. Oh God! Oh, sorry. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm the old. Well, you're man. confusing everybody. You said me and Tim were on Battlefront, and Tim wasn't on it. Like, well, was he or was he not? Uh, stop. <laughs> All right. Anyway, but but as I was saying, we me and Tim were talking, and and Tim we started analyzing the press release, right? And it said that Benioff and Weiss were producing and writing, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. They were not directing. And I think that's very intriguing because as producers, as as they are as they were on Game of Thrones, their roles are a little bit different than on and we again we might have already talked about this on, on other shows, but bear with me. Their roles as producers are different on television series. They pretty much run, and just like how T- Dave Filoni was a producer on Clone Wars, and just like those guys on Game of Thrones, they're not just producers who just step back and just kind of let the director do their thing. They're pretty much telling the director, "You're going to do this." Like this is what they are—they're executive producing the entire show, and they are in charge of making sure the show is completely everything is intact. They are pretty much running the show. You know, obviously the director has artistic license, but they are like from afar saying, no, you can't do that. You can't do this. This is what we got to do. Story's got to go here. You got to do this. It's a lot different than an executive producer's role on a, on a, a one film, if you will. It's a little more, at least that's the understanding that I see it. Maybe Kyle, you have more, more, you have more knowledge of this business than I do. Well, but and it very much depends on the film, to be honest. I mean, there are movies where the executive producer basically just, contributes a lot of money like make sure the exactly. movie gets made and then maybe has a little bit of creative input and there are other movies like perfect example the original star wars trilogy you know george lucas directed a new hope but then uh empire strikes back and return of the jedi he was the writer and executive producer but not the director but he still had a very hands-on approach like he was on set he was working with the directors like he wanted to make sure that they were telling his story um of course and so Plus, it, it, it can right? vary yeah. by by film. And so I think like you're kind of getting at with this one with Benioff and Weiss, I think the fact that they are not just executive producing, like if if they just announced that they were executive producing a new series of Star Wars movies, yeah, I would think I like, would oh, think OK, what does that mean? Like how much input are they really going to have? But the fact that they're writing and producing it um, makes me think that like, yeah, they they may not be behind the camera calling action on every take, but they're going to be um, sort of the, the over, I don't want to say like Oops. overbearing or anything and make it sound negative, but the, the sort of the, the overall creative influence for like the, the main creative influence for this trilogy or this series of films, however many movies it's going to be, is going to be these guys. 
No, and I, that's exactly what I think. And, and and that's the thing with 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 this whole announcement. If you read the press release and you kind of know what the timeline is with this with this rumor, and I think this rumor might have some merit to it because and again, we what I was thinking was Game of Thrones is almost over. Like mm-hmm. right now they are they are in post-production, probably finishing up the last episode of the series. And as we speak. They're probably finishing yeah. that up right. If it's not already done, they're just doing press. It's like, so my point is, they might have already started writing this movie a while ago. Yeah, and potentially. And to to sort of reinforce that, I I kind of assumed that we weren't going to get their first movie for like a couple of years, and that they weren't going to start on it until after Game of Thrones was over. But I thought the same thing about the Mandalorian. With John Favreau, I was like, oh, well, he's not because he's kind of the same thing, right? Like he's the writer and executive producer for The Mandalorian, but he's not the director. But still, I thought, well, he's going to be heavily involved in that. and It's going to be a lot of work. So he's not going to work on that until after he's done with The Lion King because he's directing that. Right. Well, The Lion King right. comes out this year. That's still in in post-production. And yet he's been able to work on that and The Mandalorian simultaneously. Um, because, you know, I mean, again, we don't have an, an announce or a... Um, a release date that's been announced yet, but I mean, we're all assuming the Mandalorian is going to be coming out by the end of this year. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the timeline on that was a lot sooner than a lot of us probably expected when it was first announced. And so yeah. the, this could be very well be the same case. And especially if they're going to be filming this year, heck, they might have that movie coming out next December, which would you know, blow my mind. And I don't mind, heck, I don't mind taking a break, but also like if I think it's a little too soon though. Yeah, I agree. And uh, well, here's the thing though. Just think about it. If they are, well, I'm just saying if the rumor is accurate that it starts filming this, uh, this fall, like movie, you know, you, you think, let's say it starts filming in September and then they have like four months of principal principal photography and it finishes filming in December. And then you have a whole year of post-production and that's kind of the same thing they did with, uh, with episode nine. I mean, I guess that started filming earlier, but I mean, they wrapped filming the beginning of this year and then they had one year of post-production. Right. So I'm just saying it's possible. And again, I never would have thought that initially. I wasn't expecting to get their first movie to like 2021 or maybe even 2022. But if this rumor is accurate and they actually are going to go into production on it this fall, then I think there's a very heavy likelihood that it could be out next year. You now, production is different than shooting. And I don't remember if the, if the report said they're going to be shooting this year. Production well, is different. And that's, that's a good point because it didn't – well, normally when they say production, they are referring to – shooting because there's pre-production and then there's production and then there's post-production and production uh, is when you're like on set filming um it but let's say filming starts in the fall though <laughs> in that rumored report. oh, does oh actually yeah, yeah yeah no you're right it does it's right, a, okay. well the so, in the in the first part i i saw it just said approached about working on the next movie this autumn and so that was when i was like okay well maybe they just mean working on pre-production this autumn but then yeah you're right tim later on it does say filming starts in the fall so again if filming starts in the fall I have a hard time believing, like, I would think that would mean either a December 2020 release date or possibly, like, summer of 2021, but I think based on oh Solo, they probably learned their lesson from the summer release date, like, let Check Marvel have that and keep to, you know, the holiday, so. Check this out. I've got, I think I've got this broke down pretty easily. 
and I'm being serious when I say this. I think I just, I just, I just kind of had an epiphany a little bit. Where <laughs> crack the code? No, I honestly, I, I'm not trying to. I, I didn't, I didn't. I, I may have, but I don't know. But hear me out on this, because you guys, we, we're all big Game of Thrones fans. Everyone mm. knows I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. I love the show to death. I've been watching it steadily since almost the second season, since, since the second season, before the second season came out. I've been analyzing, watching the show. I, I love the show, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Now. What's interesting about what they're talking about, and I think you're right, Tim, is it seems weird that they're filming this fall. It seems kind of sudden. Now, the reason why we're probably wondering is how, where have they had time to work on the script? Now, I have a couple of things I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch to you that might this may actually make go in, in line with what filming this fall, perhaps. Maybe fall might be generous. We'll say winter. Let's assume that it's a little bit off, but it's winter. But it's what a few months? It's not. You're not going to kill the. You're not going to kill the source if you said that. You know. Oh, I'm sorry. It's winter, not fall. You're not going to kill them for that. It's pretty close. Mm -hmm. So let's we'll just give it. Let's just say it's winter. So close to. Uh, it's close to the end of the year. So if that when they drop that, and or we we know that. Let's say we all know the end of Game of Thrones is happening probably in May, right? And that's it all gets wrapped up in May. So from and we all know that in the press release, I believe it says that right after they're done with Game of Thrones, they're going right into the Star Wars thing, mm -hmm. correct? So there's there's probably so and I think we all would assume that they're they also have probably been working on this kind of sporadically between working on Game of Thrones, except there's one big thing we for, we're forgetting that happened, okay, for Game of Thrones that may, they might have had more time to work on this than we realized. I see where you're going. Yep, you know exactly where I'm going. They had to wait between uh, seasons, the last two seasons, because they had to wait for winter time to happen overseas. That's a good point. So there was a giant chunk of time that they they because the scripts were already done they were they were making sets, et cetera, et cetera. Now, granted, they probably were still working on Game of Thrones during that time. Yeah, but but they don't need they, to be on set all day, exactly. you know, watching people build props and stuff. And even when they're filming, like I'm sure they're probably on set watching the filming, but they're not directing it, so they can kind of come exactly. and go as they please, as much as they feel like they need to kind of oversee mm -hmm. things. So my, what I'm proposing is. I bet, because I bet this has been going on for a while. I'm sure it was already in the bag. That announcement just happened whenever. And I'm not sure when that announcement happened during the break or whatever, or not even break, but during the, the thing of filming and, and during that kind of long period between seasons. Because it didn't, it, they weren't just waiting because it took forever to film everything. They were waiting for winter time. It was yeah. that specific yeah. season. So I think- I think they even that, did that with season seven too. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. I think every, I think they worked on they've been working on Star Wars for a long time before the announcement and after the announcement and this is what this is and I know we have to wrap this this up here Kyle and I apologize but really quickly the reason why I think that there there might this might be accurate is because if you put all those things together and the fact that they're probably like yeah we're gonna go right into production right afterwards they have probably probably have already pitched the the, the story is done. Like oh yeah, well because I think even in that press release, if I'm not mistaken, I and and I could be wrong because it's been a, a while since I read it, but I thought Kathleen Kennedy said like, hey, they came to us with the idea for a Star Wars story. 
I don't remember, but yeah, if, I'm not sure about that either. Yeah, but but either way, keep talking. Like, I'm gonna look it up. All right, that's fine. So, but like like I said, either way, whether they had it when they when they pitched it to them, whenever that was, if what, I, if what I'm gathering is true, and, the, and that gap of time between season the last two seasons of of Game of Thrones, because of that gap, they were able to work on the script and get this nail the story down, deliver it to Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm goes, okay, this is this is a good this is a, a good to go script, or as far as it's it's the we can start pre-production. And I'm 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 positive they're probably already working on pre-production. Because remember, Lucasfilm's obviously not afraid to work on things as they work on the script. If you look at what all the films they've worked yeah. on since like the, the Disney has taken over, episode seven was still being written as they as they went along. So obviously there's Again, and I'm going to end my point with this. With all that being said, the reason why I think there's probably validity to it is all those things that I brought up, but also the fact that Lucasfilm and Disney are more worried about deadlines than they are worried about quality. And what's be and that, that, what I mean by that, that's probably not the right thing to say. But you know what I'm trying to say? They're not worried about the script. Like, okay, because obviously if they worry about the script, they would be like, no, this sucks balls. We're not going to put this out this is go back to before we announce this i think that they're confident in the writers just like jj and and larry kasdan they all said you know what yeah the script isn't done but we'll start we can start we, we're confident enough that we can you know finish most of it and, and have good stuff by by time we start filming the script wasn't done with episode seven when they started hiring all the actors and, and they started making pre-production we all know that mm -hmm. the script kept re being reworked so my point is now, I would argue that that was a mistake, but I don't know. No, I agree. But, but well, but episode seven made $2 billion. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're right. Like from Disney's standpoint, they wouldn't really be concerned about that. And, that, um, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And I'll, and I'll be, I promise this is the last thing I'll say. And because of that, I think that even if the, even if the script isn't 100% done by the time they're done with game of Thrones and they have to rework it. What I, my point is the, the story points are all there what they want in the basis is already being worked on and they just have to finish up the script as far as the, the, the finer points, not exactly the story points, but this, the, the, the real like small detail stuff kind of thing. Like they may get that line out of there, get the, you know, that stuff, whatever, but the finer points are all done. And that's why I think that that the report is probably accurate. Now I'm done. Sorry. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, like you're saying, like the script doesn't even have to be done at this point, but I'm sure, I mean, you're totally right. Like they've had plenty of time to sit on it and at least think about the story. And the fact that this report also says that like some pre-production and like art and stuff is being done even now that like, um, you know, that they don't have to be directly involved in that and they can still be, you know, working on Game of Thrones. But like behind the scenes, there's, uh, you know, pieces being set in motion. And then that just as soon as they're done with Game of Thrones, they'll be ready to hit the ground running on this thing. I mean, to me, that's just super exciting because, again, I hadn't even considered the possibility of getting their first movie next year. Um, but I'm sure, you know, from Disney's perspective, they want to keep cranking out movies. And, you know, I'm sure they're anxious to uh, to get this thing out as soon as possible and, um, you know, just be able to keep capitalizing on the franchise, but also to just keep putting good stories out there. And if this does come out next year, I mean, again... I will just be the freaking happiest Star Wars fan in the world, especially if this report is accurate and they are doing like an Old Republic type movie. I cannot wait to see 
what they do with this, if this report is accurate, and you know if this movie goes into production as soon as we think it will, um, that's just going to make this year even more exciting. Because then after celebration, you know, as we get into the second half of the year and we're gearing up for Episode Nine and the Mandalorian and Clone Wars and all this stuff, then also to be getting announcements about stuff like this and to be knowing you know what's on the horizon for next year, that's just going to be super exciting. Um, yeah. So hopefully, like we said, if we don't get this announcement at celebration hopefully d23 is where <laughs> we find out for sure yeah and I, you know what honestly i think that probably is more accurate um now thinking about it because like especially if like they might make an announcement closer to when they're ready to start filming um but who knows i mean they could just announce the title or announce what they're working on or something at celebration and then we'll get more details closer to d23 because that would be closer to when they're actually going to start filming it but um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, like I said, I, I'm trying to take this with a grain of salt, even though we just spent probably like 45 minutes going over that or however long it was. <laughs> um, obviously, we're excited for it and hoping that comes true. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but let's move on here to a couple other updates. Uh, we got a new announcement that um, there's a new, not novel, but actually just an audio book that's coming out. Um, this is like an audio exclusive project, um, and it's called Star Wars Dooku Jedi Lost, um, and it's written by Kevin Scott, um, and it's actually going to be narrated by a full cast, so it's not just going to be one person, you know, reading the audiobook, but this is going to kind of be almost more like an audio drama, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it sounds really interesting because this is a story that I guess probably will be set kind of during the Clone Wars, but it follows Ventress as she is kind of trying to... Uh, investigate and just discover more about Dooku. Um, and I can't help but wonder if this is maybe going to somehow tie into like the Quinlan Voss story. And if it's like her digging, like doing or trying to dig up dirt on him um, that she can try to use to take him down. Or if it's maybe set earlier on, like when she first meets him and she just wants to find out about like who this guy is that she's working for. Um but I think this is just a cool idea that we're going to get more of Dooku's backstory revealed and, um, you know, his time as a Jedi and why he left the Jedi Order. Um, but it's going to be revealed sort of more through the eyes of uh, Ventress as she is um, sort of investigating and trying to find out more about who this guy is. Um, so I think that sounds like a really interesting story. Um, and I think it'll be cool to just get more information about like Dooku's time as a Jedi and him leaving the Jedi order. And I really hope they maybe, uh, delve into more of the story about like him and, uh, Palpatine and Sifo-Dyas and the creation of the clone army and that whole thing. Um, cause that all happened around the time that he left the Jedi order. So it'd be cool. It's, it's definitely gonna be cool to get more backstory about that as well. Um, and just more, more history on, uh, the character of Dooku. So I think that's gonna be pretty cool. Yeah, I think it sounds cool, too, both on the story aspect, learning more about Dooku's history and why he left the Jedi Order. We got the basic reason for it, but I really want to know the specific reason, like what, you know, broke the straw on the camel's back, so to speak, for Dooku and fed up with the Jedi. So that should be interesting to learn if we actually get that revealed here. And then just also the format that it's going to be on, as you said, more like an audio drama, just, you know, keep the different formats and ways to give a star wars content coming because there's so many different avenues to explore for getting these star wars stories and this seems like a cool one uh or a cool way i should say to get this story so yeah i'm looking forward to it, it should be out on april 30th so probably definitely be checking it out mm -hmm. um 
And then, well, we've already talked a lot about, uh, well, just kind of in passing mentioned a lot of Battlefront in this episode. Um, but uh, we'll talk about the new, uh, the newest update that just came out for the game um, with the new game mode of Capital Supremacy, um, as well as the uh, ARC Trooper and Commando Droid reinforcements. Um, and this is something that we've been looking forward to for a long time. And it's finally, uh, you know, we finally got this big update with a brand new game mode um, that I think is a ton of fun to play. And just between the the game mode itself and the new map and the reinforcements and everything, I think this is um, just a really solid addition to the game overall. And my only complaint, and I think a lot of people, I mean, th this is nothing new because a lot of people have been saying this, but the fact that there's only one map right now for the new Capital Supremacy mode, um, I think is something that, uh, you know, they can definitely improve on. And I mean, it hasn't like gotten boring yet for me and it's only been out a week, but, um, you know, I could definitely see after a while, you're probably going to get tired of playing on the same Geonosis map over and over again. But, um, yeah, I, th I actually think this would work really well on the Moss Eisley map, even though, uh, they've said that this is like a Clone Wars only experience. I don't know if they're talking about just for now with this first map or if they're only going to keep it to, um, Clone Wars maps in the future, but I'm pretty sure we are going to be getting more maps for this down the line. Um, but it's really cool just to be able to play a mode that kind of has that old school battlefront feel to it of just running around and capturing command posts. Um, but then there's this added new element to it, too, of having to go up and destroy capital ships. And um, I've just had some really fun, like, back and forth matches that have lasted a while. And then I've had some that have been pretty quick. But, um, yeah, I'm enjoying the heck out of this. And I think it's uh, it's been a long time coming to get this this big new game mode um, that we've been waiting for. But I think it's a lot of fun and it definitely delivered. Yeah, I'm kind of both. I agree. It's definitely fun and a great addition to the other modes that we have in Battlefoot too. But there's a part of me that is a little disappointed with it as well. And maybe it's my fault for expecting certain things to be in it. But I do miss, while it is good to have that, you know, taking over control point aspect in the Battlefront mode for Battlefront 2, um, I wish it was more on the scale of the original Supremacy or Turning Point, where it's these massive, crazy battles where you got your troops on the ground and the ships in the air. I, I wish there was an option to be a pilot and just fly the ships in this big mode too, like it is in Galactic Assault. But, um, so that was a little disappointing. And then also too, uh, um, again, this is probably something where maybe I shouldn't have expected it, but when you go into the capital ship for the other round of the mode, I was hoping, and I think, I, I know it wasn't officially stated, obviously, but I thought I remember reading somewhere of like a hands-on impression of it or a preview where someone comparing it to those early Battlefront 3 uh, demos where you go into the ship and you go through the planet's atmosphere and head into space and then go into the capital ship that way. So I was expecting to have that be in it, but instead it's just a quick cutscene where you go to the transport and the main capital ship is in the atmosphere of Geonosis, so you're not actually going into space there yeah so. i think that was just speculation on people's part because i i think i read a couple things about that like maybe articles from other gaming sites that said you'd be able to do that but i think it was people just misinterpreting the information because all dice ever said was that just the game mode would involve mm -hmm. capturing command posts and taking down enemy capital ships but they never said you'd be able to fly you know, from the ground up into space and then dock in the capital ship and everything. I'm still waiting for that. Like, I think that would be awesome. And like you were talking about from that Battlefront 3 trailer from even back in like 2008, like I'm still waiting for a game where we get to do that. But um, I kind of had a feeling that that wasn't going to be the case here. 
Um, also, just as far as the starfighters, like you're saying, like I also wish you could fly starfighters in this mode. But I, one of the developers on Twitter did say that that was a choice, not necessarily based on the game mode, but Geonosis itself, because it's just so mm -hmm. open. Like it's kind of a little unfair, like because guys in the ship can just like pick off anybody on the ground. Because also in Galactic Assault, like most maps, you can fly in a starfighter, but there's no starfighters on Geonosis and Galactic Assault either. Um, and he was responding to somebody that was complaining about the lack of starfighters, and he said that it has more to do with the Geonosis map than it does with the game mode. So if they add that game mode for other maps, I would imagine that's a possibility for other maps that we will get to fly starfighters. Yeah, I guess in a way I just wanted it to be a little more massive because I felt it. I mean, it's good, but I was hoping to be like really big, almost like kind of like Galactic Assault modes or those old Supremacy and Turning Point modes in the original Battlefront, where just really these big massive battles. I also thought it'd been kind of cool where there's just more gameplay aspect into going from the surface into the capital ship, where maybe you're piloting the transport and fending off attacks from starfighters, even where you have to try to board the transport and you're trying to, and the enemy's trying to stop you and shoot you before you board the ship. It'd be cool if you make it onto the ship like if you're the clones you make it onto the republic gunship and you're waiting for more troops to get on there you're sh you could shoot from while you're waiting in the ship for defending those who are mm. still trying to get on the transport like stuff more incorporate more gameplay aspect into that portion of the transition from the surface into the ship but i don't know like, like i said maybe it's just certain things where <laughs> i was expecting a little too much but uh, so a little disappointed with it on that scale, but it's still definitely fun. I mean, matches can go for a long time, as I found out when me and Paul were playing that other night where it just went on too long. Paul actually had to leave <laughs> before the yeah. match was over. So. <laughs> I've got a few issues with it, but really quickly, I I think it's not it's not bad. The problem is it just gets old after a while, and because it is it does wrap up really fast. Uh, I have a problem with so many heroes in the game. That's another problem I have. I think that when you have so many heroes, they just wipe out everything and it's really obnoxious, especially Anakin. I feel Anakin is just way too overpowered in that mode. Like, like he does that thing where he just like kills everything around him or whatever. And it's, mm. it's just, it's so obnoxious. I'm like, really? And I'm like, I'm like shooting him like in the head, like 800 times. And he just sitting there like oh, nothing's killing me i'm like oh really? well yeah because you can't shoot at him while he's charging up the force push you should if he's already if he's here's my point if he is like a, a sliver and he does that and you're shooting him for like five minutes while he's powering up he should die yeah but like he, so he takes like 80 percent damage reduction while he's charging that up yeah it should be more than that i think but anyway my, my point is this is that it's a great mode i'm having a blast with it the problem is it needs to be refined a little bit, uh, a little bit, make it not as long. And perhaps like, like one of the things I don't like about the, is when you, when you f do fly up to the command center, I hate the fact that like, as soon as you get one of the, if you're defending one of the, one of the, the, the first stage after they get one, they just go right into the next one. It's like, really? Why is that? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. And I feel they should, it, like, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense, the first part. It just, there's a couple, it, I think we should be modified a little bit. But I've been playing it a ton this weekend, just trying to, like, get kind of used to it. I'm getting used to new infil infiltration troopers, and those are a lot of fun. Uh, there's good stuff there, but it's just not, it's just not quite perfected yet. Now, I'd like other, other maps to be involved, too. So, but yeah, I, but for the most part, 
I, I liked it. It's not perfect, but I like it. Yeah, I think, you know, like you were saying, Tim, I think my perfect mode in Battlefront would just be like a completely open sandbox mode where, you know, you just capture command posts, but then you also have to like maybe just score additional points by taking down enemy capital ships, but it's not like a requirement. You know, but just like if you want to, you could jump in a starfighter and fly up into the atmosphere and dock in the capital ship and fight inside there and just, you know, maybe have the battles be like 32 versus 32 instead of 20 versus 20. So you get that added scale to it. Um, but yeah, I think, think it'd be cool where one team, like part of your team's up in the capital ship while the rest is still on the planet fighting their battle. I like, kind of incorporate yeah. the two in a way. Yeah. No, but see, I think it's hard because then it's like, well, how do you choose like who's where i do think that would be cool like if there was like a two-facing like going on at the same time like if if you were if some of you had to be up in the capital ship and maybe you activate like an orbital bombardment or something that then mm -hmm. you know helps like give air support for your troops down on the ground that are trying to capture command posts or something like that um i just think i think there's more they could do with it and i'm not saying that to say that i'm disappointed with what we got because i've had a lot of fun so far playing with uh you know, with capital supremacy that they've added in Battlefront 2. So I think more of my issue is just I want more maps to play it on. Um, but I think, I don't know if they'll ever add another mode of this scale, but I just think there's more they could do with it. And I'm almost thinking more for like a future Battlefront 3, um, which as it sounds like right now, I think they're more still more focused just on continuing to support Battlefront 2. So I don't think there's, like I know it's been, uh, you know, like a year and a half since... Uh, Battlefront 2 came out and there were two years in between Battlefront 1 and Battlefront 2 but obviously we have Fallen Order coming out this year so if they do make a Battlefront 3 I think it would be coming out next year at the earliest um, but maybe even not till like a year after that and probably like even on the next generation of consoles um, but I'm hoping that like maybe just in the next Battlefront game we get a mode that is just completely open, just a ton of players, command posts, capital ships, starfighters, all that stuff that we want. Um, but I think for right now, I think Capital Supremacy does a pretty good job of kind of scratching that itch for just kind of some old school Battlefront style gameplay um, and just giving us something new and different. And I think it's a good addition to, uh, you know, the new mode or like just all the modes that they have in Battlefront 2. So. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And it's funny because, Paul, I hear your complaints about, uh, you know, Anakin being overpowered. And a lot of people are complaining about that. And it's like, I agree, but at the same time, I don't care because when you get to be Anakin, it's just so much fun. Like, <laughs> and so, like, I'm not mad when I get killed by somebody else who's playing as Anakin because then when I get to play Anakin, like, I go and do the exact same thing. So, I don't know, like... And I know they are actually working on some tweaks for him. I think there's an, a, like a small update coming out this week where they're going to tweak him a little bit more. Um, they've already done that once since he came out because he was able to just like one shot heroes and heroes versus villains. And people were like super mad about that. So they've already brought him down a little bit. And I think they're going to tweak him a little bit more. But I really hope they don't like, you know, nerf him really hard so that he's like not fun to play as, a, you know, play anymore. Um I, I still think he should be like the strongest hero on the light side because he's the chosen one. You know, it's freaking Anakin Skywalker. So That's true. Um, I still hope he's really powerful and he's really fun to play as. Um, and if people want to keep complaining about it, it's like, well, you just got your butt kicked by the chosen one. That's what happens to droids all the time. So suck it up. Um, 
It, it works in universe, that's for sure. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I have no problem with it. And, you know, if I'm playing as the droids and I see Anakin, I tend to just run. Um, especially if I'm playing as a hero. I'm like, you know what, I'm just not even going to mess with that guy unless I see that he's, like, at really low health and I'm like, all right, I'll try to go finish him off. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with that. Um, and also, so this is kind of the end of the content that they had announced so far um, that they were going to be working on. Um, you know, we got the, the Geonosis update, and we got Obi-Wan and Grievous, and then we got Dooku and Anakin, and now the new game mode. And I think in April, um, they should probably be announcing a new roadmap for 2019 with some, you know, future content that they're going to be working on for this year. They've been real kind of coy about it so far especially with talking about like adding new maps to capital supremacy because i think that's the main thing that people have been wanting um since that came out um and i think it has something to do with like their fiscal year like for some reason like the fiscal year ends in march and they can't talk about like content that's coming after that um because of some legal rules or whatever so i don't know exactly what's going on there but it seems like in april um they should be uh able to talk a lot more about future updates to the game and, and what's coming for the rest of this year. So if you're a gaming fan and uh, if you're a fan of Battlefront 2 like we are, then definitely um, keep an eye out for that. Um, you know, I know people talk a lot about wanting to see, you know, more new maps in the game, possibly like Coruscant or Mustafar or new heroes like Ahsoka and Ventress. So we'll see um, what comes of any of that. And then, you know, of course, we could end up getting maybe some episode nine content toward the end of the year too. So um, that'll be exciting to look forward to. Um, and then lastly for this episode, we wanted to talk about the season finale for Star Wars Resistance um, that aired a couple weeks ago. Um, and Paul, you actually did finally get caught up on the whole season, right? Yeah, I'm done. Okay, cool. Just want to make sure we're not, you know, spoiling the end for you or anything. Um, but yeah, just first impressions. I mean, like we kind of talked about all along, and I think we, you know, we talked about this even back when Resistance aired, and we were like, eh, you know, it's kind of fun, but it's kitty, and it's not, you know, definitely not our favorite. Um, but these Star Wars series have a track record, like Clone Wars did the same thing and Rebels did the same thing, where it starts off and you're like, eh, and by the end of the first season, you're like, all right, they figured out what they're doing. They've got, you know, they, they've got a good groove going. And, uh, you know, this is starting to feel more like some good Star Wars storytelling. Um, and we were hoping that that would happen with Resistance. And sure enough, I would say by the end of the season, like not even just with the finale, but by the second half of the season, they really were uh, kind of firing on all cylinders. And, uh, and you know, we were getting a lot better episodes than we were in the first half of the season. Um and the finale, I would say, I think this finally dethroned the Doza Dilemma as my favorite episode. That was one from like a few episodes ago, and it was the one where the First Order finally really kind of started uh, kicking their plans into action. Um, and it was the one where they like turned the pirates against the station and they had them kidnap Tora, and you thought they were going to use them as leverage or use her as leverage against the First Order and then or against uh, uh, Captain Doza and the Colossus. Um and then instead of kidnapping her as a hostage, they like turned against the pirates and acted like a rescuer um, and, you know, made themselves look like the good guys. And so the people on the platform would welcome them and everything. So I thought that was a really good episode. That was probably my favorite one of the season up until the finale. But man, they just killed it here. 
um, showing the aftermath of uh, Starkiller Base destroying the Hosnian system and Kaz's family being there and just showing, uh, you know, his kind of grief and grappling with that. Um, but then just, you know, their final showdown with the First Order. Uh, Tam's decision... Um, I guess we should give a spoiler warning here for anybody that hasn't listened yet or hasn't watched it yet. Um, if you're, you know, wondering if it's worth giving a shot, yeah, go watch it and then come back and listen to this. Um, but you know, Tam's decision to join the first order, um, and then the Colossus, you know, being, a not just a, a platform on the water but a freaking space station that can take off and uh just that la that final aerial battle with all the aces and the pirates teaming up against the first order and you know shooting down all the tie fighters and kaz taking out major von reg i was like okay this is you know what i was hoping for from a series that you know is supposed to build up the the resistance in the first order before the force awakens and give us you know some cool aerial dogfighting and racing action and all that kind of stuff um you know, I, I think they really delivered on that by the end of the season and, and just nailed it with the finale. Yeah, I mean, as soon as the First Order got involved, things the series really started to pick up. I agree. Those last batch of episodes were really good and re really worked well as far as playing off against the events of The Force Awakens and how integrated into that storyline as well. Everything matched up really, really well. And probably my favorite aspect of the finale, you mentioned it a little bit, was the direction they went with Tam's character. I mean, I really liked throughout the course of the season, she always had that mistrust of Kaz and Yeager. But then once you started hearing, or she started hearing about the First Order, and you realize that, oh, you know what, she kind of, you know, sees that, that they're not really the bad guys and just sees them as protectors of the Colossus. And she, you know, respects that and agrees with their presence there. And so I liked her, they slowly built up her, you know, approving of the First Order. And going so far as that she joins them, like you said, and I just thought that was she probably had the best character arc of out of any character of the whole series, I think, the way to where it lead up to her joining the First Order and how it wasn't something where she's like realized that there are evil, but yet it's too late and they grab her on the ship and she's kind of held captive. No, they they had it where she made the choice. Yeager was right there and the First Order was right there and she chose the First Order. So I love that about what the direction they took her character and what it means for season two where she'll probably be going up against Kaz and the Ace Pilots. And I'm sure by the time the series is done, she'll leave the First Order and join up with Yeager and everybody. But at least for season two or however long it lasts, there'll be some good conflict and character uh, stuff going on when she ever interacts with Kaz or goes up against the resistant while she's part of the first order. So that should be make for some really good stuff. And I agree. It was great to finally see <laughs> the potential and premise of the series come to fruition in that finale with that aerial battle with the ACE pilots. I still think the ACE pilots were vastly underused this season. Serin mm -hmm. characters pretty much fell by the wayside, especially once they had a whole preview video before the series even started introducing the characters and thinking they're going to be a big part of it. And that pretty much never was the case, but still made for a cool action sequence. And it looks like they will be a, have a major, or at least a more of a bigger role in season two, as they're all together on the Colossus going through hyperspace. So, but my biggest complaint about the season finale was it goes back to something Niku did Kyle's favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I was hoping they go into hyperspace, you know, Kaz even says, okay, we're going to go to Taco Donna. We're going to meet up with the Resistance. I think that would have been cool. Even if, because it seems like they're just Well, actually, finding... no, he said they were going to go to uh, Dakar. 
That's right. I don't know. I got those planets mixed up. I'm sorry. Right, because <laughs> because Aunt Z and Hype Phazon went to Takodana to see Maz, right. but then yeah. they came back in the finale. That's right. Okay. Yeah, my mistake. Dakar. So I was hoping. Okay, cool. They'll meet up with the resistance, or even if they don't meet up with them, because I kind of have a feeling the series is going to do everything they can to not have Cats and his crew meet up with Leia and Poe, or well, he already met Poe, but the rest of the resistance as we see them in the sequel trilogy. I feel. I guess depending on what happens with episode nine and how long it is after The Last Jedi, they got to hold off on that to see when they can actually meet up. But it seems like they're at this point, they're making sure they don't catch up with those characters, the main characters in the Resistance. So I was even okay with them going to Dakar, but then they get there too late and see that the base has been destroyed by the First Order, as we saw in The Last Jedi. Nobody's there. And that kind of puts them on a search to try to find where they're at. And maybe there's some reason why they can't get Leia's distress call or they get it too late where they're so far out of range and they w- weren't able to get the crate. But I just wish it was something done better than Niku not putting the full coordinates into Dakar. Now they're just stranded in space, lost, not knowing where they're going to go. So to me, that was a little disappointing. I kind of wish they had a little more of a focus on what they're going to do as part of the resistance, but now they're not going to be part of the resistance because they're off doing their own thing because they have no idea where they're going. <laughs> so that was a little disappointing to me, but I'm sure by the time the series is over, they'll meet up. And like I said, it all depends on how long episode nine takes place after the last Jedi. So that yeah. was my main critique of it. But other than that, definitely a solid conclusion to the season that, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I, I actually liked that. Um, as much as Niku grinds my gears to no end, um, <laughs> and and he's one of those characters that, like, I don't completely hate, but it's like every time I start to like him, he does something that really annoys me, and then I start to hate him, and he does something kind of redeeming or, like, sweet and innocent, and I'm like, oh, fine, I guess I can't hate you, but then I start liking him again, and then he just drives me nuts again, and it's just like a constant back and forth. So he's Far from my favorite character. I'm I'm rolling my eyes at him as often as I'm laughing at him. Um, but when he said, you know, oh, yeah, let's go to Dakar and meet up with the Resistance, I was like, eh, that's going to be a little problematic because then how are they going to explain that within the timeline of the movie? Like, we know this is after Hosnian Prime is destroyed, but we don't know, like, is the Resistance about to go and attack Starkiller base or have they already destroyed Starkiller base? And I was thinking like, man, they're going to show up like right in the middle of the space battle in, you know, the, the beginning of the last Jedi. And I was like, well, obviously there was no giant space station in the movie. So like they can't do that. So I was just like, I was like, okay, I mean, it, it would be cool to see that in the series, but at the same time, like, how are they going to make that work? And so then the fact that Nico's like, oops, I didn't put in the right coordinates and now we're headed off to who knows where, I think just kind of was a fun way to like leave it open ended. It gives them a lot of possibilities to play with for season two. Um, and you know, kind of lets them do their own thing and not have to be tied into what the movies are doing. And also, I mean, the fact that Poe has met Kaz and, you know, knows that this operation is going on, um, on the Colossus, like they very well could be some of the allies that Leia is talking about in The Last Jedi. And like you said, like, yeah, maybe that's why they didn't get her distress signal. They could still be lost in hyperspace. Um, And so I don't know if season two is going to pick up, like, and it's going to be going on around the same time as the events of The Last Jedi, or, um, you know, it, it could take place sometime after. But I kind of like 
that they now like we've seen how this relates to the movies. We've gotten up to the point of the Force Awakens and made that direct tie in with Star Killer Base, and now they get shot off into space. They can do whatever they want, um, and now this is going to help fill the gap in between Episode Eight and Episode Nine. But then maybe by the end of the series they'll dovetail it back. I mean, I don't think I'm not expecting to see Kaz like in Episode Nine, but who knows? That could happen. Like maybe we'll see the fireball in a space battle. You know, just the same way that we saw uh, the ghost in um, Rogue One. Yeah. You know, so there could be like a little reference there. And maybe by the end of the series, they kind of bring it back and they become part of the main resistance. Um, But I think for now, I I like that the show kind of has established its place in the timeline and established its connection to Poe and the resistance and the Force Awakens and everything. But now they're free to just kind of go and do whatever they want in season two. So I actually liked that decision. Yeah, I guess I, don't know. I just wish it was done in a different way. That <laughs> would just be another Niku mistake that caused it. But uh, but overall, though, still a solid finale and into a season that progressively got better, like you said. Even though the season finale doesn't come close to the levels of the any of the Rebels season finales that we've gotten on those epic scales. So not quite there yet, but still for everything that was established and was building towards over the course of the season, it ended it on a good note. So yeah, definitely worth checking it out. I uh, I went into detail about the show on my other podcast, Blaster Cannon, which I'm just going to say go download that because I, I go in detail of what I like and dislike. And it's, it's you know, I, I go in more detail about it. And you guys did a good job. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Go check out my Blaster Cannon episode to get hear those thoughts. I, I'll, I will say this. I, I liked it a lot more than, than I disliked it at first. So. Take that for what you will. It's not perfect. It's still not even close to Rebels or Clone Wars. It's not even the same stratosphere. But there's some co- good stuff that I go in details on, on Blaster Cannon. It should be dropping. Well, by this point, it should already be out. So check that out. Me and Megan break it down. We have a lot of fun. Well, there's your Paul plug for the day. Um, hey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun stuff. And like you said, it's still for me, like, not on the level of clone wars or rebels um close yeah but you know it's got room to grow i i don't think by the like by the end of resistance i think my ranking is still gonna be clone wars rebels resistance um but you know i i think it at least has elevated itself to the point where it's not like the uh I don't know, the the black sheep of the group, you know, like it feels like a more like fun and established Star Wars show now, as opposed to like, oh, what is this? And I'm not saying that, like, I hated it right off the bat, but a lot of people did um, or just, you know, weren't really into it. And, you know, even for us, we we're like, OK, we got to kind of wait to see where they're going with this and wait for them to kind of get their footing and to really get going here. Um, but I think it made some major improvements over the course of the season, and I really enjoyed uh, definitely that last half of the season. So <clears throat> I'm excited for season two. Um, and even though, you know, especially as far as animation goes, for the stuff that we're getting at Celebration, I'm way more excited for the Clone Wars panel, but I actually am excited for the uh, the Resistance panel as well. This, you know, get like the season two trailer and kind of get some, some teases about that um, and some information about what they maybe have planned next, so... It should be fun to see where the Colossus is headed. Unless Niku screws it up again. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, that is uh, pretty much all the news and rumors and stuff we've got to talk about for the episode. So before we wrap up, uh, Tim, um, I know we've got some, uh, I'm sure, tweets and and Facebook comments and stuff like that that you've got to read for us. So uh, what do we got? Yep, got a, just a few for this episode, mainly dealing with Celebration and one for Battlefront. So first off on Celebration, uh, for what everyone's excited about on Twitter, Mark Sutter at Mark E. Sutter says, I'm excited to be going for the first time. They'll only be there Thursday and Friday. Well, it, it looks like you're going to be there for the big, big event, though, Mark. So mm-hmm. hopefully you get into that panel for episode nine. So we'll, we'll make it worth it. And then Paul Stewart at Mr. P. Stew says he's excited for the title, the trailer, the Mandalorian, the Clone Wars, Cassian, Jedi Fallen Order, the Ryan Johnson movies, the Benny and Weiss movies, everything. <laughs> hey, if we get all that stuff there, that would be amazing. Because, <laughs> I mean, the Cassian and the Ryan Johnson movies, I'm not expecting. As we're talking about with the Benny, Benny and Weiss ones, probably not either. But, heck, if we get all that stuff, it's just going to make it even better. And then Derek BB at Derek J BB says, I'm excited to be watching the entire thing at home for free on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be in the same boat as us, Derek. And then on Facebook, Brian B. Klein says, I'm excited about the main panels, especially episode nine, the Phantom Menace 20th anniversary and the Mandalorian. I'm excited that I already have a pass to get to the head of the lines at the Hasbro and Funko panel. I'm excited about the possibility that the Lightspeed panel setup is going to work great. Fingers crossed. And I am most excited about sleeping in my own bed since I live about 20 miles from McCormick Place. Oh, nice. <laughs> As someone who lived just about 20, 25 minutes away from the Anaheim Convention Center for Celebration Anaheim, I know exactly how convenient that is, Brian. So enjoy it. It definitely makes it nice. So <laughs> that's going to be cool for you. And then in regards to Battlefront, uh, the, the new update, we got a Twitter response from Jonah Wesley at Jonah Wesley. Um, his thoughts on the new mode. He says, the new troops are fun to play. Commando droid blaster audio is so cool. And the arc trooper laser blaster ability feels like it's powered by a kyber crystal. Haven't got a chance to play as a arc trooper yet. So <laughs> I, I imagine you guys have. So I guess his uh, blaster ability is really strong. <laughs> but... Oh, yeah. The arc troopers are fun. Okay. Yeah, I've only got to play the Commando Joy yet, so but he was pretty fun too. And then he goes, Anakin's heroic might feels so broken at this point that I run away from him whenever I see him in battle. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Uh, then he goes, I like the long grindy game with the command post, but I wish it was more like old school conquest mode with bigger maps and only command posts across the map. But best update ever though. So, yeah, it looks like Jonah's kind of in the same camp as I am as far as the mode, as far as wanting certain things that it's not, but still a fun update in addition to it. So, yeah, thanks, guys, for your response and letting us know what you're most excited about for Celebration. Should be, you know, really fun. Can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts once Celebration happens about all the cool stuff we're going to get. So not only is it going to be fun for us to talk about it, but to hear all your guys' responses on the Episode Nine trailer, The Mandalorian Clone Wars, all that awesome stuff coming. It should be a blast. And then also just want to say a quick thank you to all the kind words and great responses we got for our Phantom Menace commentary. It was great to see everyone enjoying it and having fun watching the movie and listening to the commentary as they watch it. And we got some tweets for that too, which is really cool to see. So thank you guys for that as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Thank you guys for the kind words and glad you enjoyed it. Um, and thank you, you know, for all the other Twitter responses and and comments and stuff too. And as always, it's great to hear from you guys and to, um, get your feedback and have you engage with us. 
Um, you know, we wouldn't be here if we were just talking Star Wars by ourselves. Um, so thank you guys for listening and for, uh, for giving us your feedback as well. Um, but, uh, you know, as always, you can find us online uh, at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues and follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, and you can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com and check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com. Um, for all the latest, you know, Star Wars news and rumors and stuff that we're posting on there. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then, of course, also check out thunderquack.com for all the other great podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Um, but that is going to do it for this episode. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Um, enjoy Celebration. Uh, like I said, we'll get the, uh, the Attack of the Clones commentary out pretty soon for you guys to enjoy. Maybe the beginning of that week of Celebration. Um... And then, uh, of course, we'll be keeping track of all the awesome stuff coming out of there. And then we'll be back with a bunch of episodes after that to uh, talk about all the new trailers and news and all that fun stuff. So should be a lot of fun. Um, we're definitely looking forward to it. Hope you guys are as well. We will see you next time. And may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody.